right? So it is you. Me. It is I. Yep. I am doing the show. Peter Ayers, Peter Ayers, he fell down a flight of stairs. He <laughs> was in his underwear. We all laughed at Peter Ayers. <laughs> you just you just created the show opening. Yep. Welcome to Sneaky Dragon. My name is David Dedrick. I'm Ian Boothby, and uh, we appreciate the time you're spending with us. So, uh, thanks. Sit backs. Sit backs. Sit backs. Sit backs. Relax. Sit backs. Relax. <laughs> you can tell I was Put also on thinking some relax. Maybe look at a painting by Peter Mac. Yeah. Remember, that. Peter Max had a uh, comic strip. Well, he should have because he pretty much ripped off a bunch of '60s underground cartoonist style and transplanted them into high art, so-called. Yeah, they had kind of a like uh, that guy who did with the comics. I can't remember his name. Now. Oh, sure, I know who you're talking about, but but because we were now talking about Peter Max, that's completely <laughs> out of my head. Until I uh, yeah. and I know people are screaming at the yeah, that's fine. Please us. scream away. I'll remember it tonight while I'm driving home. I'll but something like, I I used to do was when I was at the comic shop, which was, which was a comic shop. By the way, good job naming that shop uh, in Vancouver when it was mm-hmm. around. Yeah, uh, you know what is this all about? Well, it's the comic shop. Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> I get it. And uh, I also remember that their TV commercial uh, started with, the comic shop mm-hmm. sells comics. And I don't, they said other things. I don't remember that commercial. Yeah. And uh, that's how I knew about it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, when I was in the, in the in the shop for, I think, like a dollar, yeah, uh, they would sell uh, old Vancouver Sun uh, uh, color funnies from the 70s. Oh, neat. So they had a big stack of them there. And I was yeah, like, oh, yeah. like, give, me, give me a bunch of those. And one, one of them that was uh, in there was, uh, was Peter Max. Was Peter Max had a color uh, comic strip, hmm. which is just a Peter Max drawing or yeah. what have you. Yeah. In the, and yeah, that qualified as funnies, I guess. I was like, ha, ha, ha. I don't get it. <laughs> no, it's just art. Well, okay. you know, to be fair, they had those Love Is uh, one-panel cartoons in the, in the right. dailies as love well. Love Is Naked Children. Yes, Love Is. I, really, I think they were adults, but... What made you think they were adults? The uh, lack of pubic hair? I the think... no development? Them looking like children? <laughs> giant heads? Didn't one have a mustache? No, he didn't have a mustache. He didn't no. have a mustache. No, and she didn't either. They didn't have a mustache. She had a mustache. Did she? Okay. <laughs> I don't remember that. That's interesting. Okay, now I'm more on board with it. <laughs> um, yeah, I used to uh, I used to stuff stuff the comics in the newspaper when I was a yep. newspaper kid. That was my thing to do on Saturday mornings where you got to the, the shack where you got your papers. Paper uh, shack? Paper shack, yep. You would just kind of... Well, that was funny because the uh, papers came in this... They were wrapped in copper wire. Which seems odd now that copper is so, so valuable. But that time we threw it away on wrapping newspapers. Yeah, it was just wrapped in this kind of, maybe it wasn't copper, but it looked like copper wire anyway. And it, you would just cut it with pliers mm-hmm. and then uh, organize the papers. Then you would stuff, either you'd put inserts in. Sometime, I, for a while, there was the the weekend magazines would go in there as well as the, the funnies. Okay. So you'd put, you know, you'd have separate stacks and you'd just have to like kind of Shoop, and then put the other one in, and then close that, and get another paper, and do that for how many papers you did. I think at that time I had around forty-five papers I delivered. I can't remember now exactly. The most I ever delivered was seventy. Oh, but that was that's, dur- that's a lot. It was a lot. That's was, heavier than you would think. It was during a newspaper strike. Oh, okay. All so right. the Sun and the Province were both on strike, and so I was delivering for the Royal Columbian, not the Royal Columbian, just the Columbian, which was uh, based in New Westminster. 
long gone now, but uh, its circulation shot up because everyone was like, I can't be without a newspaper. So they, they subscribed to that paper for a while. And so I had all these extra subscribers for a time. And then once the strike was over, it they all dropped, dropped off again. And I was back to my paltry, low-paying Colombian gig. But then I moved to doing The Sun, which is oh, okay. a, a better-paying newspaper job. Yeah, you think like paper wouldn't be heavy till you have to lift paper. <laughs> yeah. We think about the the well, you uh, bought special baskets for your bikes that had that heavy duty, uh, big metal basket with thick kind of almost maybe like two centimeters of of strapping for these baskets that you would ride around on your bike so they could carry all that weight. It was heavy. I did. Uh, I, I did whatever was the equivalent of the the courier in Vancouver. It was whatever the freebie. Uh, okay. Newspaper was yeah. That's more awful. Why is that more awful? Because everyone gets it. Well, the nice thing is then I don't have to collect uh, nothing. Yeah. So that's good. I just yeah. get like dough from the dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and the rest is just like getting it on the I thing and then avoiding the dogs. I didn't mind uh, collecting. How was your dog situation? I, th- I got bitten once by mm-hmm. a little dog. So twice shy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was a little ferocious guy. And he would attack the newspaper when it went through the slot as well. So. Oh, yeah. There was a lot of that. Mm-hmm. But that's fine. That was one, one time. It wasn't that bad. I, I, I like collecting, actually. P- partly because uh, when Christmas came, you got a lot of uh, tips and chocolates mm, and okay, little gifts, gifties and stuff like that from your customers. So that was nice. And a lot of them were nice people as well. So Love Is, the comic strip. Yes. Uh, that that uh, launched in uh, 1970 mm. and was a New Zealand cartoon. Oh, is that right? Yeah. So it was okay in New Zealand to portray naked children. Then I think saying. that's probably the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you and know, like, it's not quite Europe where you could do whatever, wait. but it's kind of Europe. Look at their feet. Are they hobbits? Mm. Are they just little people? Like, well, this is before New Zealand was Hobbit Town. Oh, I guess that's true. But you don't know. They just started filming there because it was there. Yeah. So one of her most famous drawings was Love is being able to say you are sorry, which is not yeah. And uh, this was in, uh, it was published in 72. 1970 was the film Love Story, which had, you know, yeah. the tagline, love means never having to say you're sorry. Which, you know, if you've ever been in love, you know, is bullshit. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah. If you never say you're sorry, then you're some kind of psychopath. Oh, really? Uh, I think so. If oh you never say you're sorry... If you never feel remorse for any actions, first of all, that means either you're, of course if you're doing nothing, you know, uh, maybe, maybe if you're in a coma, but even then you're like, well, I had some dreams where I was cheating on you and I feel bad about that. So, you know, maybe I'm sorry about those. Maybe apologize like for those. You would apologize for that? I don't know. I don't think I'd bring it up. Yeah. You, well, of course you don't bring it up. <laughs> it's not gonna wake, you don't bring up your coma dreams. No. Wake up. Man, I was having a great dream while having sex with the other person. I think, uh, yeah, yeah, it was great. Oh, who? Oh, let me tell you. <laughs> it was your friend Carol. <laughs> this is not going to cause any problems. Yeah. Right? And then she goes, it's all right. We're from New Zealand. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, all right. And everything goes here. It's uh, crazy. Yeah. The uh, cartoonist is uh, uh, Kim Casali, uh, who then changed her name to uh, Grove, I guess, uh, for marriage purposes or... She's a fan of Groves. <laughs> Maybe she thought it was a better pen name. Well, her pen name oh. was uh, Kim. Just signed oh, it is Kim. Kim. Yeah. Hmm. I don't remember it to that kind of detail. I do remember finding it really, like, kind of boring as a kid. Like, reading really, that didn't wasn't. Well, yeah, there's nothing to it. That wasn't the thing I went to when I went to. No. It. Uh, and uh, here's a weird thing. 
there was um well one there's a mobile app if you want it daily okay go to your iphone and mm. you can get that um but there was a video game of love is which was called love is in bloom the flower shop garden which was released <laughs> on the ds and the wii okay yeah weird that is weird but you know what I'd say of all the systems that yeah. would be released on, yeah, smart. That, that makes the most sense. Because that's, uh, the Wii was the one system that made uh, parents, especially, let's just say mums, uh, go, well, that's nice. I enjoy bowling with this thing, and I like the tennis. <laughs> oh, what's what other games have they got? Were they going about a flower shop? Oh, well, what's that about? Well, you know, those love is, uh, oh, I like them. And then uh, purchase it. Oh, this is a big piece of shit. And it's like, of course it is. <laughs> of course it is a big piece of shit game. Of course you hate it. Maybe it was like that goose one. It just had a sort of, it had a sort of um, well, you play it, innocent then you're done. pleasure. Yeah, yeah. And we're through it, and now we're done. Mm-hmm. Good. You want to see a, a goose make a man mad? Yeah, yeah, I do. And now I've seen it. Now <laughs> yeah. I'm done. Yeah, yeah. That's it, it. Lasted as long as it needed to. Yeah. Maybe this game was like that too. I have never. Of course, we don't. We have no idea what we're talking about. You've never so. played the goose game. I played the goose game, but I've never played Love Is. The goose game actually sounds like a separate thing that other people yeah. played, where you had to like poke each other in the bum. I think that was the goose game as well. So you want to say it's a whatever the the what was the actual name of the goose game? The cranky goose, the uh, irritating goose, the annoying goose, the annoying. I think it was the annoying goose. Game. Okay, that sounds about right. Not sure. <laughs> That's all right. I don't think we need to do too much research into <laughs> what video games are called. Okay, <laughs> we're we're beyond that. You know, I realized today that I've developed a really good habit. Untitled goose game. Untitled goose game. That it's called goose game. It, no, no. It was called the Untitled Goose Game. That's odd. It's as if it was as if they had it in development and just never got past the stage of naming it. Maybe. Well, let's yeah. put it like this. It was an enjoyable game. The good habit I developed is putting yes, the, the putting the lid back on the the Coke bottles. Oh, sure, sure. I used to not do that. Oh, boo! But we had several spills from yeah. my. Yeah, you're a very gestural a very, uh, fellow. I do, do That's like a terrible thing. <laughs> talking. Yeah. So a few times we had a, a Coke spill. So. I have learned that a cap is a good idea, mm-hmm. which for whatever reason, like growing up, I never thought about it. Do you it. come from a family of gestural uh, people who will uh, flail their arms while telling a story? <laughs> I don't think that I do. Like, it doesn't seem to me that we were overly, I don't think gestural is a word. Were you told that it was impolite to point? I was, and that seems dumb now. <laughs> it's impolite to point at someone? I guess it's to point at someone? Hmm. I thought it was in general. <laughs> no, no. I think it's just a point at someone. Okay. Which I can see. Like, I think because when you're a kid. You want to vaguely know who someone's talking about. When you're talking about. about someone as a kid, you point at them. Ah. And your parents are like, well, don't point at that person because now they know that you're talking about them. Ah, uh, okay. So that's the problem. Yeah. Is you've now ratted yourself out. You're like, It's oh, not that it's impolite. It's just you Look at that now. funny lady with her hair. And yeah, look yeah, yeah, She's yeah, wearing yeah, that yeah. ugly coat. I'm a child. I'm going to describe the, <laughs> the person, which is the worst thing you could possibly do. You're, you're taught yeah. to do these skills. You take the skills out into the world and you're immediately told, shut up. That's right. No editorializing. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So then, but the pointing's worse because... If you're just generally editorializing without specifics, right, it's not so bad. But if you're actually pointing at the person and describing them, well, that's that's weird. Right. Then they think you might be like an invasion of the body snatchers alien. <laughs> Especially if you go, yeah, if when you, you do it. Spoilers. Yeah. No? For yeah. one movie. Yeah, they snatch some bodies in it. I'll tell you that. <laughs> they don't really snatch. You know, that's the, that's no. the problem with invasion of the body snatchers. No yeah. snatching. 
you know, yeah. take over, yes, Qu- a quiet take over, but no snatching. No one is like mm. walking by and like yoink, and then they're pulled uh, pulled away. I guess they're trying to cash in on that. Is it Boris Karloff movie with the, the body snatchers? Do you know that one? I don't. It's pretty good. Did people get snatched? They do, they snatch dead bodies because they sell them to 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 medical like medical establishments and in, in jolly old jolly old England. Okay, and that's bad. To steal them from a graveyard and go sell them to medical yeah. experiments. Yeah. So because so people get healthier and uh, I like think it's just the to sell them to medical science. You know, if you bury your dad and then they, yeah, if I discover that his body's been dug up and and they found a, sold, a, a sold cure, they found a cure for disease because of your dad. I don't know if they found. I mean, it's not the worst. Listen, on the big sliding scale of uh, awful things you could do in a yeah. old timey movie, uh, d- donating bodies to medical science. <laughs> they're not donating; they're selling them. Okay, they're making some money. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. That's fine. Money was scarce back then, it feels mm-hmm. like. All right. Otherwise, you know, you got to make your kid a chimney sweep or something and like put him down a chimney. And that's bad. Better to dig up <laughs> grandpa and sell him so that people can find a cure for uh, broken legs. Anyway, it's a fun film. Is it? Yeah. Okay. It's a fun film. It's um, 40s. I think 1940s. In the, in the 40s era anyway. And it's fun. With Boris Karloff, for sure. I'd say the only movies that use okay then so that is called the Body Snatchers yeah okay and then there's three Invasion of the Body Snatchers films I think four four yeah and then there's the movie Snatch which has nothing to do with any of that <laughs> that at all right yeah uh, what Wait, is the, the 70s th- film Snatch that has nothing to do with anything the, oh okay so but Invasion of the Body Snatchers there was the 1950s one there was mm-hmm. the Donald Sutherland one with mm-hmm. Leonard Nimoy yeah there was the uh, Me- is it Meg Tilly Meg Tilly one. Yeah, uh, and uh, maybe Jennifer Tilly. Directed by yeah, they're both they're both in it. Um, so yeah, the original Don Siegel one, right? And the then Phil what's Kaufman the one. what's the fourth one? The fourth one is I think with Nicole Kidman. Oh, okay. That came out in like the early noughties or the maybe in the teens. I can't remember exactly when. I don't even don't even know if it's called Invasion of the Body Snatchers. So I might be given a different title now. Trying to not be so Snatcherama. Uh, <laughs> All that snatch Snatch a palooza (laughs) All that snatch And all that snatch We're gonna take over the world (laughs) And all that snatch Yeah Okay I'm I'm just curious I'm gonna (laughs) How many Invasion of the Body Snatcher movies? Yeah Invasion of the Body Snatcher Uh, What's the best one? I would say the Philip Kaufman one is is my favorite Which is which one is that one? The one with Donna Sutherland Yeah yeah, yeah. Leonard Nimoy Yeah you're correct um, That scared looking actress who was an alien Oh, and uh, they compare the the plot to uh, the Heinlein uh, story, the pu- Puppet, puppet Ma- Masters. Puppet yeah, Masters, yeah. Okay. okay. That's a bit different, though, because I feel like the Puppet Masters have, like, have like intent, whereas Invasion of Body Snatchers, they're not really, there's not, they're just, there's not, there's no real, like, plan or anything. They just, they're like, they're almost like plants that have just come to Earth and just kind of, like, imitating us. Right. You were thinking of the movie uh, The Invasion. Okay. From ni- 2007. Yes. Right. There you go. It was so, Nicole Kidman, right? That, I believe so. I think you're correct. And that is a, that is a further re, reiteration of Reimagining. The, yes. I didn't like the, the Meg Tilly one, which was directed by... I can't remember his name now. He directed um, Bad Lieutenant and, uh, and a few other movies. I can't remember his name now. The, the director of uh, of the one that we saw, uh, okay. we saw that one together in in Vancouver. Oh, we did the Meg Tilly one. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. We both walked out going, "That eh, was all right." Yeah, let's see. Uh, Abel. Uh, oh, Fer- yeah, Abel Ferrara. Ferrara. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Yes. And uh, yeah, uh, Jennifer Tilly makes an appearance as the body double of Meg Tilly. <laughs> there you go. I rode an elevator once with Meg Tilly. She was very nice. And who plays the daughter in that movie? Well, I can tell you the names of people that they look okay. here. Uh, Gabriel uh, Anwar. There, there you go. Gabriel Anwar about? plays the daughter, yeah. She's sort of the protagonist who uh, notices what's going on. Roger Ebert gave it a perfect score, but audiences did not agree. Yeah, what's wrong with you, Roger? Weirdo. Yeah. This is way better than the Philip Kaufman one. Is it? Is it better? So, it's not as nuanced. That's what I like about the, the Kaufman one. I did, in the scene where... I wish I could remember that actress's name. Goes running up to Donald Sutherland. And, sorry, everyone, if you haven't seen the film, it's mm-hmm. kind of spoiling it. But it's so great because you don't expect that. And you don't expect Donald Sutherland to be able to make that face. <laughs> that is a good It is a good face. Freaking face. There's no, it's just all him. Because he's so calm through the rest of it, mm-hmm. you know, and then it's like, whoa. Like, jeez. <laughs> yeah. You are different. Yeah. The uh, And again, I will always mention my idea fanfic idea for these movies okay as they all they all are sequels to each other but because the aliens become so adjusted that uh they forget that they're aliens Mm. that's part of it and so uh then more aliens show up and take over again thinking that this has not been taken over by aliens already and those dum-dums take take over and so we've been aliens for a long time we just forgot yeah yeah so it's uh snatchers snatching snatchers which is the my title for the next movie? Snatchers, snatching, snatchers. <laughs> it's a, it's a it's interesting because it it's not like the movie The Thing, but it is like the story Who Goes There, which was the the you know, origin of of this of the movie the original movie The Thing from whatever it's called Thing for Another Planet is that what it's called Whatever the original uh, film is called The Body Snatchers. No, no, I'm talking about The Thing because oh, they both oh, share. The thing. Sorry about that. They yeah, share. Right. They share the something similar. from another world, I believe. Yeah, they share something similar, which is something coming in and yeah. imitating us and replacing us. And this is an interesting kind of paranoid idea that I guess could only arise in the 50s, the paranoid decade. And then all the people die, and they're all ghosts, and then the ghosts of the dinosaurs go, "How do you like it?" I'm like, yeah, all right, <laughs> fair enough, I get it. And the dinosaurs are all laughing and pointing their little dino fingers at us. Ha ha. Like, shut up. Yeah, it's not so nice when a meteor shows up and screws up everything for you, eh? Like, yeah, I know, I know. It's not our fault. We didn't send the first meteor. Yeah. We didn't do anything to stop it either. We were little mammals. What, we could, what could we have done? Just rat creatures. Yeah, we're just little rat creatures. <laughs> Luckily, dinosaurs... Doesn't matter. That'd be interesting to get to heaven, a whole bunch of dino ghosts. No one expects that. Is that interesting? <laughs> I think it, that would not be interesting. You're telling me that's an uninteresting day. You're showing up in heaven, the gates open, yeah. and it's like Jurassic Park, and there's like mm. all these dinosaurs. And then around. the angels say, well, why wouldn't they? Mm. Why wouldn't they? And uh, they've, they've got their feathers as yeah. well, but they've also got little angel wings as well. <laughs> Do they have halos? The good ones. <laughs> The herbivores. <laughs> oh, so some T-Rexes make it into... Yeah, a couple of T-Rexes make okay. it in. No, not all of them are assholes. <laughs> a couple of vegan T-Rexes. Well, it's not really a, what do you eat meat or not? <laughs> Otherwise, we're in a, if that's the criteria, we're all in a lot of trouble. Mm. you know. But yeah, all the extinct animals are up there and they're all hanging out. Well, that's true. I mean, I don't think T-Rexes did anything malevolently. They were just, no. just living. We need energy. This is how we get it. So, okay, with a T-Rex, explain this to me, because why wouldn't you know this? Uh, the arms. Mm-hmm. What's the point? What are the arms for? What do they use the arms for? Like, what can you do with them? You can't reach your mouth. What's What do you do with them? What are you, slapping things away? Yeah. 
Like, what's the point? Well, it seems like they're just, um, what do you call them? When you have something that's sort of left over from evolution. So once upon a time, those arms made sense. Yeah. And they've just kind of got small and useless. Yeah. Yeah. Just wonder if they have any any use for them. Like because the, some dinosaurs walked around on all fours. Makes Whereas sense. T Rex, yeah. you know, stood was was bipedal. Feel like, it feels like almost like if they got on all fours, the little arms would just not just go Ugh, snap. Well, yeah, just because be, because they've they've gone upright. They've they've learned to walk in a, uh, on two legs, right, rather than on four. And so those original legs have become useless appendages. That, Do you think that's one of the reasons that the T Rex looks like such a badass is because it walks like us? No, I think it's because of its enormous mouth with te- giant teeth in it. Does nothing else have a big mouth with teeth? Like, I think the arms are kind of silly. Like I think, oh the yeah, arm, they're silly I, looking arms. I think the arms are like kind of. But do you, but maybe you need them. Like, like you if, take the arms away, then yeah. a T Rex looks dumb. Then you feel like you just like knock them over. <laughs> but the arms look dumb anyway. Like you could, if you saw the T Rex, yeah, and he was standing there and he's wearing a leather jacket and sunglasses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he'd be like, oh, as he, as he would in yeah, a yeah. 1980s uh, poster. Yeah, yeah. He'd be like, oh, that's a pretty cool, dude. But then you'd see that his arms are like these little useless appendages just hanging there, and you'd be like, nah. right. Last is cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. It would be cool though. <laughs> I don't even know how they stand up. Like if you knock a T Rex down on his back, it feels like game over. Can I also mention that he's wearing a bas- backwards baseball cap? I know he is. Okay. Why wouldn't he be? Just wanted to That's being that redundant. Of course, I to make he that clear. Is. of course he is. Cowabunga, dude. Yeah. Yeah. And in the earlier versions, he's got a cigarette. A little <laughs> oh, cigarette. No. His, yeah, he's got a little cigarette. That's a 70s one. Yeah. And then. Um, that's different. He's driving a hot rod. And Gary Larson saw that and went, I've got an idea for a cartoon. And I was like, ah, oh, that's what made the dinosaurs extinct. And it's like, ah, clever. And then they went like, meh, got to get rid of the cigarettes now. Not cool anymore. <laughs> Thanks, Gary Larson, for ruining it for everybody. <laughs> that guy. It seemed like he was coming back, and then he he did he come back? Is he doing stuff now? Is he like we started? Though, yeah, I thought they were doing like some new um, he's do far sites. Yeah, I think so. Like about a year ago, there was talk of that, and then and then it was like there were some reprints, and I think like he was going to be doing like new ones on the weekends or something. Mm, mm. And then uh, I don't know what happened. Then he realized how much work it is. Yeah, he kind of forgot. He's kind of like you know what? I miss doing that. As someone who does uh, a comic strip, yeah, uh, yeah, it's quite a bit of work. You're mm-hmm. not wrong. Yeah, it starts off, you're all right, and pretty soon you're like Hank Ketchum with your foot, your feet in a bucket of ice water, where you're trying to draw Dennis the Menace for the hundredth millionth time. Was did he have his feet in a bucket of yeah, water? Yeah, he did. Try to stay awake okay. so he could get work done. Okay, all right. Yeah, I'm looking at like retirement. Did things. Okay, is he coming back? Online presence. Oh, here we go. Okay, so uh, in 2019, the Farside website stated that a new online era of the Farside is coming. Okay. Uh, uh, so then uh, the Farside.com, authorized by Larson, dedicated the Farside cartoon series, went to live there on the internet. And, uh, oh, okay. And then in 2020, um, uh, Larson released a new section of the Farside website entitled New Stuff. So, okay. Yeah, he is doing some new stuff. Oh, nice. All right. Good for him. Well, I say stay in your lane. <laughs> okay and this is coming from like someone who's just started doing like a single panel gag cartoons. yeah back off larson you had your heyday <laughs> we're the little uh rodent creatures now yeah you're the dinosaur jack oh he's a dinosaur yeah he's the smoking dinosaur so did the dis- dinosaurs didn't uh, disappear because of the we're com- the vaping rat creature because of a of a asteroid or, or a comet whatever it be an asteroid meteorite yeah, it was meteorite. a meteorite that brought him a pack yeah, of yeah. smokes <laughs> but it because they retired it mm-hmm. wasn't because of a meteorite they just dinosaurs retired 
Here, by the way, is a story idea I've had that is a dumb idea and okay. I will not do. Okay. But it, but I will say it out loud. All right. Uh, so when someone does it, I'll go like, hey, that was my idea. Mm-hmm. Which is um, uh, all of the dads that went out for smokes and never came back return. Okay. Yeah. And like they all were taken yeah. somewhere for some purpose. Okay. And they've come back. And it's this all the smokes dads. And you thought these guys were all deadbeats. It's like, okay. no, no, no. They were all just they mm. were all just taken on their way to the store. Yeah. And maybe even the store was like a trap yeah. for them and they were taken off to like some interdimensional like fight or something. Yeah. And they fought in this war and they've all come back. And oh. uh, yeah. And you see okay. what happened to these dads. So they were kidnapped by aliens who yeah. wanted them to fight. Or in interdimensional there. creatures. Yeah. Interdimensional creatures. Yeah. Not, but they're not aliens. But the the dads? The oh, inter- are inter- they replaced by interdimensional creatures? Oh, well, they would be like an interdimensional creature would be as alien as a creature from outer space. Yeah. I would say, yeah, yeah, um, I'd say that would qualify okay. as an alien. Okay, so this doesn't include dads who went out for a loaf of bread. Oh, they're not part of this return. Just smoking dads. A dad going out for a loaf of bread. That was that. What used to be a common was it? Yeah, was he making a sandwich and didn't have any bread? <laughs> I don't. I. You know what? Do you need an? If you're leaving your family, what do you need a great excuse? No, you just. If he doesn't you know smoke, what's a dick move about if that? If he's not smoking, that's a super dick move, and here's yeah. why. Yeah. Um, because look, you're so you're, uh, and you know, there's deadbeat dads in my extended family. Uh, so so you're saying I'll be, I'm going out for smoke. I'll be right back. Yeah. Okay. And it's a drag because now you know everyone's got to go to work and uh, no no good Christmases and yeah, you're you're shithead. But um, but say you're saying like. Hey, we're out of bread. First of all, dad's got to like get rid of the bread. Yeah. If there's any bread. So now he's gotten rid of the bread. He's thrown out the bread or he's hidden the bread. Sure, sure. He's put the bread somewhere. So now you don't have bread. Mm. And he's going, I'm going to go out and get some bread. And yeah. now everyone's like, oh, that's great. When dad comes back, we'll all have sandwiches. Yeah. And like, can I eat something? No, your dad's coming back with bread for sandwiches. Yeah. So everyone's like, so, so hungry. They're yeah. like, oh, boy. Can't wait to get those sandwiches, those delicious sandwiches, and eat them with father and tell them of my stories of school. And then uh, dad goes away yeah. and uh, doesn't come back with bread. So one, no dad yeah. fucks up you know, the next couple of years. Two, <laughs> no sandwiches. Mm. So you got a hungry night as well. Your first night without Pop-Pop yeah. uh, is, um, is uh, it's not Pop-Pop, that's your grandfather. Your Pop, <laughs> um, you got no uh, food. You're all hungry. Mm. Maybe you have some cereal. Yeah. But you're like, I, this would go great with toast as part of my balanced breakfast. Well, there's no bread. Hmm. Maybe a, I'd like some French toast. Can I ask Tough a question? Luck, no can bread. I, can I ask a question though before yeah. you? Is Pop 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 a great grandfather? No. Oh, Pop Pop Pop. Maybe. Okay. Just wondered. Yeah. Just wonder how the order went. And your uh, your farmer uh, grandfather is your uh, corn pop. Is your corn pop? Yeah. Okay. What if he uh, makes uh, grow stuff for for a beer company? What is he then? Hot pop. Well, I'll tell you something. If he's a cool yeah. dad, then he's a pop rock. <laughs> He's a rock and roll dad. He's a rock pop, pop rock. Okay. Pop rock. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Got any others? Uh, what if he's a pilot? Okay. He's a prop pop. So it's okay. What do you mean it's okay? It's okay. I feel we're off theme now. Because <laughs> there's no, there's no pr- a prop pop. Yeah. Like that's not yeah. a thing. You what just made the, up. You just put two words together. What about the Whereas dad? I'm talking corn pop. Yeah. Solid pop rocks <laughs> exists. And now it's like a glop pop. It's like okay, you could say things. <laughs> That's fine. 
<laughs> you can put things together that rhyme, but we weren't doing sure. rhymes necessarily. Yeah. We were yeah. doing actual that we were jamming on a different situation. Okay. Listen, I want to support your uh, improv. I'm not going to talk about my dad who's a, who uh, feeds the pigs. Then who's that? Slot pop. Yeah, of course he is. See, now we're going on that. Now there's a whole we've opened up a door to other uh, pop related <laughs> things. That's true. Yeah, and you know I had multiple. Yeah. Uh, uh, fathers yeah. who uh, were deadbeat dads. So frankly, with me, you can pick a pop. <laughs> oh, you know where you, where they yeah. all went to the pop shop. Okay, yeah, that's where, that's you had, where they vanished. Where you had to get more dads from? Yeah, the pop. Shop. Well, you can You're do that. You can either do that, or that's where the dad shop is <laughs> at the pop shop. Okay, sure, sure. Okay, that really is circular then, because if you have a dad who works at the pop shop, he's a pop pop. Yeah. See, are you? There you go. It's kind of confusing, though. It's like your grandfather. Where else are you going to get this gold? <laughs> well, again, I appreciate you all listening and still continuing to listen. That's right. Here's something. Please, please don't go. It'll here's something better. my dad used to say yeah. that uh, was uh, maybe true, but also what? Because um, when we were talking about cooking, and you know, my mom would do the cooking because yeah. it was the era of that. Yeah. Uh, which seems like a million years ago. Um, but, uh, he would say, uh, you know, it was like, oh, I get, and I think like, oh, women do cooking. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. And he would say, he said to me, yes, but you got to remember all the greatest chefs in the world are men. And uh, I'm like, oh, okay. And as a boy, I was like, that's good to know. And now (laughs) as a man, I'm like, what a dick move. Like one, like you get to do all the shitty cooking, but the really good cooking, you know, that's the fellas. So we get it on both ends. Yeah. That's not fair. Boo. Boo to that. <laughs> Boo to and, and why? And why is that? Like yeah. uh, even at the time, it was like made no sense. It's like so. So women were cooking all the time. Yeah, but never got good at it. And then like a guy who never cooks goes, oh, "I'm gonna give it a try. I'm the greatest chef in the world. I'm a chef. Yeah. I'm wonderful. You know." But uh, you know, because I didn't waste all this time learning mm-hmm. how to cook. Yeah, weird. I can only counter by saying the galloping gourmet. He's a guy. Mm-hmm. He could do it because he was drunk. <laughs> very, at first very. and then he was really christian and healthy oh like, is that right? later oh i didn't know that you didn't know that i didn't know that he that he reformed i've only remember- oh my gosh yes i oh, just remember him heavens, as a kid heavens yes okay he had a, a series where uh he would like uh show his original recipes and they would go and now i've adjusted for now and uh and then he'd show like the calories and fat and whatever would be mm. reduced mm. and like this is the healthier version because i okay. think he I think he had a heart attack or some such, right. but I believe Jesus also showed up uh, in the mix okay. and uh, and kind of straightened him out. So I don't know if he was drinking anymore or what. This, but uh, yeah, he definitely had a PBS show where he was, you know, uh, cleaned up. Was cleaned up, huh? I guess it happens to uh, to all of us. Yeah, Graham Graham Care. That was that was his name. Yeah, it was uh, the Graham Care show and Graham Care's Kitchen hmm. were the ones that. Uh, Okay. He uh, he did that, and also, huh? He also did a show with uh, Julia Child called "Cooking in Concert." Julia Child and Graham Care. Hmm. Yeah. Nice. So they played music. Yeah, that's all they did, and people were like, "Cook something!" It was like, "Don't tell us what to do." <laughs> Kumbaya, Kumbaya. It's like we don't like this. Make food. <laughs> it didn't last long, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to see what uh, what what happened to him. Some some stuff, and uh, you know, there and he's uh, he's good. Oh, there. He also would drink uh, a lot of uh, wine on the show. Yes, and he would call it a short slurp. It wasn't a short slurp at all. Yeah, there you are. So I think I think yeah, he became a born again Christian. Mm. That was that was it. 
Oh, he he and his wife were in a car crash. He had a dislocated spine and mm. a weakened uh, left arm. Uh, okay. Oh, that's ooh. Okay. Uh, it looked like his wife had lung cancer. She did not. It was okay. tuberculosis. Uh, Phew. Oh, wait a second. She made a full recovery. Oh, that's good. Uh, this sounds like good news, bad news. Yeah. She made a full recovery. Sure. Oh, no, Uh-oh. not good. Because she became addicted to painkillers. Oh. Yeah. And then they became uh, born-again Christians. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, he, uh, very healthy um, for food. Yeah. And, I, didn't, and, uh, I didn't know that tuberculosis was painful. I guess that, that doesn't make sense that it wouldn't be painful to have a debilitating disease in your lungs he did uh okay so here's camille never complained did she she just coughed gently into a mouchoir into her handkerchief yeah and then the person who had to wash those went oh just (laughs) use the same one twice why the fresh one every time what's it matter god use just a kleenex i don't care they're not invented invent them (laughs) so uh so uh graham care uh uh he his uh, cooking style was mini max. He called it. Okay, that was the thing. So it uh, minimized the mini part. Uh-huh. It was minimized fat and cholesterol, but it maximized aroma, color, texture, and taste. I see. Mini max. <laughs> and the show was distributed by MTM Enterprises. Oh. Got the little cat uh, oh. meowing at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Well, there you go. Now we know everything about. No, the cat got addicted Grand to painkillers. Oh my god. Yeah. Good news, bad news. Yeah. <laughs> then the cat that's became terrible. a born-again Christian. Oh. Yeah. That's good. Meow for Christ. Yep. Spreading the good word about the nine lives. <laughs> yes. The nine lives of the saints. Right. You would tour with uh, Morris from the uh, nine lives cat food thing. I don't know why. I thought you were going to say Morrissey. I don't know why. You know, Morrissey. <laughs> you stopped it right at the right moment. This makes more sense. Yeah, the cat Morris. Morris from uh, Nine Lives, he did have a Morrissey cover band for a while. Is that right? Yeah, know it that. was yeah. Morris Does Morrissey. Yeah. <laughs> the morose Morris. Because, yeah, because they were both very morose. Yeah. They were yeah. both real dummers, you know. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Girlfriend in a coma, I know. I know. Serious. Come on, Morris. I don't want that food. I'm finicky. His song, Girlfriend Took the Tuna. <laughs> And took the tuna. I know. <laughs> I know very few Morrissey songs, so I can't go past this. That point. was actually the Smiths as well. So, you know. oh, okay, yeah. all right. Morrissey. Let's see. Can we think of one for Morrissey? Or, no. Can or, you? Or... I, I can't. <laughs> I, the only reason I know the, that Morrissey song is because they did a sketch once about a puppy that was in a coma, and so I had to like learn the song and okay. and do my version of it. Hmm. Yeah, I can't think of any. I apologize. That is okay. I'm sorry, everyone. I've let, I let us all down. No, no. You can make it up to us by playing us some music later. Okay. <laughs> I will. Some, some rockin' tunes. Yep. Rockin'. I think. Are there any rockin' tunes this time? I guess so. Who knows? I feel like this, this selection is pretty uh, whimsical. Okay. That's my word for it. It's a whimsical selection of songs, everyone. That is Be an warned. Un- okay. I, I mean, I listened to them and I liked most of them, but uh, I don't like whimsy, so... Uh... <laughs> Like if someone went like, uh, would you like to watch a, a movie? It's very whimsical. Oh, really? You would yeah. say no? Oh, to a whimsical mu- movie? Yeah. yeah. No, I don't Wouldn't you so. describe like Charlie the Chocolate Factory, the Willy Wonka and Charlie the Chocolate, like the uh, Gene Wilder one as a whimsical film? Okay. 
But then you would tell me it's a whimsical film. I don't know. Uh, based on a doll book. Oh, okay. Because you know, like if it's <laughs> as if it's Roland Doll, yes. that it's got like a real some, streak mm, of cruelty. Yeah, there's something mm, in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He'll, he he'll take you places. He certainly tapped into things that children like, which is cruelty. Yeah, life's, you know. life's unfair. Yeah. Life's uh, cruel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kids get it. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. If you put some dark shit into your kid's book, uh, kids will go, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, of course. It makes sense. Well, it's probably, it's probably that, and I think also partly the sense of the character... F- because there's a reason babies cry well you live with your like most you know most kids live with their parents and so there's that feeling of security you know and so when you read a book where a kid has parents are gone they're eaten by a rhinoceros at the zoo right killed in a road accident are they in every disney movie yeah then then you know that 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 kid is vulnerable yeah once that happens anything can happen yeah you know like james and the giant peach or or the witches you know those books are when with the kids you know, the kids are... Uh... Yeah, they transform a kid, like, right off the top. Like, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, okay. Then no one's safe. <laughs> no one's safe. And here we all. go. Yeah. And and then, well, Danny the Champion of the World, of course, the, just a single dad. I don't know that story, but okay. Oh, I don't know the one. It's, really, it's a really good one. But I'm not surprised. I like uh, doll I, stuff. That's one I liked a lot. I didn't read the later ones. Like, the kids read, like, the Twits and BF, the, the BFG and... Books okay. of that, and I those are ones I, I wasn't familiar with. I didn't see the film The with. BFG. Okay. I didn't see Twits, but I'm sure. I don't think Twits has ever been made into a film. Okay. I think I heard Netflix bought the the Doll Estate. They they bought the rights to the to the stuff. That's why they have the musical, the Matilda, the musical mm-hmm. on Netflix now because they own the uh, rights to. Which is bloody fantastic. Yeah, you said it was good. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I haven't watched it yet. I will. I went and saw the uh, Banshees of Ed Sheeran last night, which I thought was quite. Okay. Yeah. 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 Was yeah. it what you expected? Well, I didn't think Ed Sheeran would actually appear in it, and he did. He played a song. No, I'm just <laughs> joking. Um, was it what I expected? Yeah, it's a Martin McDonough film, so yeah. Mm. It was dark. It was funny, but dark. Uh, that's uh, that's a Martin McDonough film. Yeah. You know, if you see it in Bruges, and then you watch that movie, you go, yeah, that tracks. You know, like his filmography is pretty... It's pretty... I don't... I didn't really like... I like parts of it, but I wasn't like the biggest fan of Two Billboards in Ebbing, Montana. But I really liked Seven Psychopaths, and I really liked Embrouge. Why do I think it was a different number of billboards? Was it three billboards? I think it's Maybe three, it is three billboards. I think, billboards. I think you're right. I think three, three Did billboards. Did you leave early? <laughs> I, might have, I saw the cut rate film. I saw it at the, I saw it at the Bargain Theater. Yeah, you saw the pan and scan version. I saw the pan and scan. There was only two, two that I saw. Why do you see things at the pan and scan cinema? I don't know. I like it makes no sense. You like pay full the, price. You get only a part of the film. Yeah, and the camera tracks sideways sometimes for no reason. So if someone appears... Yeah, from the side. You saw that two men in a little uh, little lady <laughs> film. <laughs> I can't think of anything. Saw the two musketeers. Yeah, Fantastic yeah. Three. <laughs> yeah, Star War. Six Samurai. <gasps> Six Samurai. That's true. Yeah. No, I thought it was good. Did you see it? Yes. What did you What did you think? Oh, I I, I also thought it was uh it was quite good and uh, yeah, there's uh, some shocking stuff in there that yeah. you're like, huh. Yeah, someone have a word. <laughs> I don't want to give away it's like spoilers, but yeah. there's there's a thing that happens in Lisa when we're driving home. She goes, "Well, that couldn't happen." And I was like, "No, but that's not the point of the film. Like the film is telling you a, it's telling you a story that you know things are happening that yeah that make no sense." It, it was like in within Bruges. There's like a real graphic scene that occurs yeah. that you're like, "I've got no preparation for this. <laughs> I can't expect this. what what." But in what? Bruges, yeah, in Bruges at the oh. very end of the film, it's oh. kind of like. Ugh. Yeah. Whereas this, yeah, this movie kind of... It is great, though, every time the two of them are uh, together. 
And uh, but with this film, you're dreading the times they're together. It's interesting because you're like, oh, it's so great when they're together. Oh, I don't want them to be together. <laughs> no, no, no. What you're you yelling doing? at the screen. What are you doing? Yeah. And I forget yeah. the his last name, but Barry Cohen. Cohen? Barry, Barry Keoghan. Keoghan. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce it. But who Once Upon a Time was going to be uh, Yorick and Why the Last Man. Interesting. Um, yeah, I got to got to meet him briefly in um, New York when they were shooting the original pilot for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and yeah, he he was uh, very good in that, like multiple levels of yeah, you know, things that uh, they were going through. <laughs> yeah, so good. It's an interesting film about kindness, mm-hmm. and just uh, yeah, it's an interesting um, metaphorical film, I guess. Basically, what you're watching magic realism. Which he likes to do, Martin McDonough. I really like his brother's film, The Guard, as well, that also has Brendan Gleeson in it. That's probably my friend, favorite Brendan Gleeson film, actually. Oh, okay. Or a film that I've seen that he's in. Anyway, do you know that movie? Uh, is that... Okay. It's not the one that has, like, the war in a garden or whatever. That's not... No, a, no. It's oh. the, He's a police officer. Like, yeah, the oh, gar- yes, I Garda. have seen it. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Yeah, I did like that, yes. Yeah, it's a very good film, yeah. Different in tone than a Martin McDonough film. Very but. much so, yes. <laughs> but it's his brother, so his brother can do his own thing. He's not beholden to his Martin. But it's interesting, like I was, when I was watching the credits, like we always sit and watch the credits when movies are over, and I was thinking, first I was kind of curious, I was like, who funded this movie? Like, who's give, who's giving this guy money? Because these kind of movies aren't getting made anymore, it feels like. There's so many directors out there who aren't getting to make movies nowadays well, because there's there no money. Disney Plus it felt like yeah like within a month but they had no money disney from Plus. disney though it was film for in england and some other like so aside from thing. the money for the uh you know leads who are substantial leads yeah uh they're probably getting scale though they're not getting maybe like, they're getting they're not, a cut they're, they're not getting big money they make it yeah they make it a bit of a cut um but uh you know what's your budget you mm-hmm. know two shacks you know, and, and a lot of walk in the field. Yeah, yeah. You know, but even, that's, but a lo- saying, that's a low budget film. Saying that, there is a lot of people involved. Like, there is a lot of credits of people who oh, are doing stuff. It's not like it's it a was. Movie. It wasn't a small, small scale crew guerrilla shooting it on an island off of Ireland. Like, that was a full on mm-hmm. movie with lots of people. And Yeah, but no one gets on a hover bike at you know, any point. Or, you they're, know, they're has, make, as a car chase through the big city. They have people. It's a lot of slow walks with your sheep <laughs> uh, while you're talking to sure, your sure. friend. Yeah, yeah. But still, there's a lot of people involved in it. So there's a lot of money there. But, yeah, not as much as, obviously, as some films. But, um, no, it was very good. I was very, really glad that I, I saw it. We're going to go see Living uh, before it uh, passes through, through the what theaters. Is, uh, what is Living? That's Bill Nighy. Is, uh, oh, this one. Okay, that's yeah. a remake of something, is it? Is it a remake? I, th- I don't oh, believe so. Boy, howdy. Oh, why do I think it is? It might be uh, uh, based on something. I think based on a book or something. But it's um, I don't want to I gotta, I don't want to massacre his name. But it's by the it's uh, the screenplay is by the author of Remains of the Day. And uh, yeah, it's a remake of uh, an Akira Kurosawa movie. Ah, yeah. Okay, and uh, adapted by a Japanese author. I think British Japanese author. There we are. I was right. Hooray for me! <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> Huh, I've not seen that Kurosawa film. Well, it's not too late. You could watch it on a, some channel, I'm sure. Probably not, but yeah. It's a I K I R U. However, you would pronounce that. Ikuru? No, you don't pronounce it that way. But you know, <laughs> pronounce it some other way. And uh, which was right. in turn inspired by the 1886 Russian novella. Yeah. 
The Death of Ivan uh, Ilyich by Ilyich. Tol- Il- yeah. All right, fine. Be that way. Tolstoy. Oh, yeah. By okay. Tolstoy. I've read that. I've okay. read that story. So it's a double remake. Yeah. Yeah. You're watching a Tolstoy film. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Enjoy. Ugh. Tol- yeah. Tolstoy's gun. Uh, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna sneeze now. Okay. <laughs> Pardon me. <laughs> Anytime you refer to Tolstoy, I, you. I, I sneeze. I know. Sorry about that. I, did, I apologize. I didn't mean to bring up Tolstoy. Okay. Did Chekhov know about Tolstoy, Tolstoy's gun? I don't know. I don't know if it was the same gun or maybe or not. Can I borrow your gun? Yeah. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Everyone's gonna refer to this as Chekhov's gun now. What? <laughs> but I invented it. <laughs> And they're both like, why is your accent like that? What are you talking about? I'm a Russian novelist. This is the East Coast of Russia. Russia. Hey, what? Jeez, you want some borscht or what? I'm like, yeah, I do. Okay, give me some vodka. I'd love some friggin' vodka. Oh, that's some friggin' good vodka. Forget Ah, about it. Jeez. I got the czar all up in my ass. <laughs> it's all war and peace. It's all war and peace. I got Cossacks next door. <laughs> Do you? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know how this all works. <laughs> yes. I did read that read that story. I went through a Russian author phase when I was younger. Okay. In fact, when I was going through cancer, uh, I could only read Russian <laughs> authors. <laughs> I don't know why. It was the only thing that was interesting to me. Could you time. speak Russian at that I point? I could not or did your Russian, cancer, no, no. Uh, Sometimes the chemotherapy makes you only be able to understand Russian. To be fair, I was reading a lot before that, but I, uh, for whatever reason, nothing else held my interest. I just would read those. Can you read Russian authors now, or does it take you back to that time? Does it flash you back? Oh, I don't know. I haven't tried to read any, because I feel like I read all the, the biggies. Okay. There's no point going back. I mean, <laughs> I mean when I say no point... That's kind of silly because, like, reading, you know, super a uh, super deep author like you know, um, Crime and Punishment by Dostoevsky or something like as a twenty year old, how much are you really getting from it? I don't know. Like, it's giving you a sense of other people's lived experiences, but there's not much you can apply to it from your own life when you're a callow youth reading uh, these books, you know. So, but I did read them. Okay, I plowed through them. There you go. I'm going to uh, try writing a book. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought, uh, yeah, like a novel. Yeah, I, I'm gonna say I'm gonna call it a book. Yeah, would that be okay? And well. not call it a novel. <laughs> you know what? Because I feel yeah. like it's a kind of thing. Like, uh, could I make a movie? Mm. Maybe. Could yeah. you make a film? No, mm. I couldn't make a film. Okay, but could you make a movie? Yeah, I could probably make a movie. If All it right. comes down to it. You know, could you write a graphic novel? Fuck no. Could you write a comic book? Yeah, I can write a comic book. Yeah, there's like there seems to be a word for each thing. Okay, that okay. Like, you know, because you know who wrote uh, wrote novels? Tolstoy. Yeah. Do you want to do the same thing as Tolstoy? No. Well, no. There's very long. Just to shorten it down a bit. Sure. Yeah. Bring it down. We don't need to, we don't need any door stoppers. No, it's one of the it's one of these things where like uh, I've been uh, evaluating certain things. Yeah. And and one of the things uh, is is thinking about like. All these projects that I'm kind of working on, I've been collaborating with other people, and I'm semi-dependent on other people for elements to them. And and that means a lot of, you know, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's very frustrating because mm. you've got to abandon projects because the other person 
either isn't putting in the effort and for whatever legitimate reasons yeah. um or you know they're just on a different pace than you are and yeah. you're like i just want to get this done <laughs> and so you know uh this i've been doing certain things like uh like a daily diary drawing and some other things yep. that I've, I've just been me and i've been finding some satisfaction in those things and even with like doing stand-up uh i'm dependent on people supplying a venue okay. and so there's a lot of frustration there where like you know they've got a show now they don't have a show now they want it's just like uh, i just want something that i can just do on my own pace at my own time that makes my own thing and it's like okay then write a freaking book and it's like okay how do you do that I'm like well get a book on writing a book okay i'll read a book on writing a book hmm. um but i i i, I kind of am going right now with the uh, stephen king thing where you saw that thing with Stephen King and George R. R. Martin, did you? No. Nope. Uh, where they talked? Nope. Okay. So George R. R. Uh, Stephen King is interviewing George R. R. Martin, and the final thing that ha- that happens, they got like <clears throat> maybe like a cup, like three minutes left. Yeah. And Stephen King goes, "So what's a question you've always wanted to ask me, George?" And George goes, "I got one. How do you write your book so fucking fast? <laughs> what do you do?" Yeah. And he goes, "Oh, okay. I'll tell you." Uh, I, uh, I write for about three to four hours a day, every day, and, uh, I write six pages a day. And so, uh, my books are about 360 pages long, which means, uh, after two months I've got, uh, the, the first draft done and I can, uh, work on it from that point. So yeah, it takes about two months, maybe a little longer than that to write a book. Hmm. And, uh, and George R. R. Martin's like, and you don't get like stuck and, uh, you know, go, oh, look at the page. And you're like, no, I write for three hours, four <laughs> hours maybe. And I write six pages a day. Yeah. That's what I do. And, uh, you know, yeah, you got to do stuff. You got to like, uh, go to the doctor. You got to take a care package to a friend. You got to run an errand, you know, things happen, but yeah, basically that's it. You write that amount a day and, uh, then you end up with a book. I was like. Yeah, that does actually make sense, and it breaks it down into like a point where like I could I could write six pages, mm-hmm. I think, uh, and then you know if nothing else at the very end, what do I got? A shitty book that I don't show people because it's so shitty. It's like <laughs> that's fine, you know, that's all right, mm. and, you know. And what if you wasted? You wasted like three hours of your day. I'm like, yeah, but I wasted three hours of my day learning how to write better. Mm. So you know, that's not the worst thing in the world. It's like okay. So yeah, gonna give that uh, gonna give that a shot and see. Uh, I'm saying that out loud, but I'm not calling it a novel by any. Okay. But, yeah, but I had a couple of ideas. Like what what happened was I re- uh, got delayed a little bit longer, but I was supposed to be pitching Paramount a couple of ideas yesterday. Okay. And uh, that sounds like a big deal, but it's just things that something that happens and be absolutely nothing and probably won't. But uh, but so I was writing down all the ideas I had for shows and yeah, yeah. things. Uh, for comics and what have you and some of them i was like i really want to see where this goes i mm. like these ideas a lot and to make them happen would be so much work in collaboration with other people and da da da. i was like or you just write them and then you, <laughs> you got a book with that story in it yeah. and then that story exists and it's like yeah i'd like to see that so there's a couple of stories there that i want to like make occur and i'm gonna i'm doing that but I'll still be collaborating with other people on other things. But it was a it was a similar <laughs> it was a similar thing to once upon a time. Uh, I was doing the Brent Butt podcast, yeah, the Butt Pod, and uh, afterwards we were, or maybe it was even on the air. Pod, I think it was on the air. But he was talking about like 
them they do a lot of uh, sketch comedy stuff and i collaborate with a lot of other people yeah and he went like you know the nice thing about stand-up and i'm like no what is it uh you get to keep all the money <laughs> i thought like yeah that's a way better argument than you think it is because I'm thinking like absolutely everything I've done, I've had to divide by six. Okay. Like what if I didn't have to divide that by six, that would be six times the money. Interesting. I don't get to work with people. That'd be sad, but then I could rehearse whenever I wanted. That'd be good. Oh, and then it's just flying myself there. That'd be good. (laughs) It's interesting. So, you know, there was definitely an advantage uh, to that idea of like, you get to keep all the money. When you're one person, <laughs> it's true. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, that's true. You know, uh, I mean, it's fun to do stuff with other people, and again, I still will. But yeah, trying to think of some things to do by myself that I can just do here in this basement. But do you think he's more famous, like outside of Canada, for his stand-up or for Corner Gas? Um, well, here's here's what I think is that he was. Sort of the number one stand. Well, aside from like a Russell Peters, he was like about the number one stand-up in Canada for okay. a number of years before Corner Gas. Yeah, which is the reason Corner Gas existed. Mm-hmm. He did a pilot for CBC called Bedtime with Brent Butt uh, that uh, didn't didn't fly. I and, remember that. And and I, I think there was always like a lot of talk of like get him to host a talk show, mm. like when uh, the Mike Bullard thing. You know, when he had a talk show, there was a lot of things like, you know, who should do this is Brent. Okay. You know, but I don't think that was something that he wanted to do. He wanted to do more creative things. Yeah. And then, yeah, it was just such a weird, rare occurrence that all these things came into play at the same time um, that made Corner Gas and it worked and it was a shock to everybody because, mm-hmm. you know, uh, sitcoms in Canada shouldn't work and they, uh, they had enough support there where it was like, put the funny first, which is, again, not the thing that occurs. <laughs> and then later, uh, when they were doing uh, the kind of follow-up to Corner Gas, which is this other show, uh, he was like, oh, it's going to be the same process. And it wasn't. And things mm. had changed. Yeah, yeah. They weren't able to like do the things they wanted to do again. And all those you know exact uh, compliments of circumstance uh, vanished. It was just this one little period of time where you were able to do that. Yeah. So so yeah. going like that's the thing to do. Well then, who show me someone else who's yeah, been yeah. able to do it since? Yeah. And yeah. A, including the person who did it the first mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But just do little mosque on the prairie. It's just that simple. <laughs> How's that? Interesting. <laughs> yeah. That's CBC's true. got a lot of sitcoms. It's got quite a few sitcoms. Hmm. They're all fine. You know, uh, the closest one would be uh, Kim's Convenience. Okay. Yeah. Chits Creek wasn't CBC. Oh yeah, I guess it would be. That one's a bit of a weird. Yeah. Well, they, a- I mean, they all. If it's going to be successful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, going to yeah, be yeah. weird because. Yeah. No, you're right. Chits Creek is a good example. Yeah. Of once again, so a confluence of events that allowed something to be created that was almost made in a vacuum that had very little, very little uh, interference from people who think they know a lot about everything. And the other thing that you've got with Chits Creek and and Corner Gas is. The person who is the best at this in all of Canada is involved. So, like, basically the best stand-up comedian in Canada is going to be your lead in this thing. Mm. Oh, that's good. Get that person. Uh, And with Schitt's Creek is, like, who's the best sketch comedy people? Yeah. You know, uh, Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara? 
Yeah, I'd say they're about the best, <laughs> you know, from sure. the best Canadian sketch. If you're not counting maybe Kids in the Hall, but I'd say SCTV has to win out over Kids in the Hall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they're the best. Okay, we're going to have them as the leads. So you got to just, that's one of the things you got to do is have the best people at this possible and, uh, and, and then build from there, which isn't what American sitcoms do at all, you know. Really? No, like American sitcoms, you know, you get Jerry Seinfeld with a with a sitcom, mm-hmm. and it's like he was a moderately known stand-up, yeah, and it didn't do well for the first year and a half to two years, and they gave it enough backing that it was okay. Or Cheers, Cheers really tanked in ratings for the first like year and a half to two years as well. Mm. And you know, who knew Ted Danson? Yeah, and who knew anyone there? And they just built built it up and. But that and was went. the same as that was the same for Schitt's Creek. It was really uh, the pandemic that that brought them, you know, and being on Netflix that ma- made them popular. Sure, sure, yeah. You know, before that, no one was paying attention to it. It's just a show with a, a, a bad name. <laughs> Suddenly, it uh, everyone was everyone fell in love with it. You know, there was also like so much goodwill, though. For, I think for Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara, like if it was just Eugene Levy. Maybe not. Maybe it was just Catherine O'Hara. Maybe not. But you see the two of them together, mm. and they built up such goodwill, both from SCTV and from the Christopher Guest movies. You know where they. Gee, those been... are pretty obscure things, though. You know, I well, mean, not... talking in terms of like obscure. Are you thinking in terms of like to entertainment people or to the general audiences? Well, I mean, Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara had been in multiple films by Christopher Guest that were all hits, hit films, made money, uh, and were nominated for an Academy Award for Best Song shortly before then mm. so i don't and and eugene levy you know had done the american pie films and and sure. Catherine o'hara had done uh you know uh beetlejuice and home alone you know and mm. you know had had that mainstream success but the two of them together i think there was just a lot of goodwill that mm. you know especially in canada yeah. for them yeah so but are you talking like that's what kept the show going despite that was just doing okay. Or? I think when you, I think yeah, when you've got Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara as your leads, mm. you don't want to cancel that show yeah. right away in the way that you would say uh, a million years ago, a Mosquito Coast or something like that. Not Mosquito Coast because that's the Paul Theroux novel. Oh, sorry, Mosquito Lake. Mosquito Lake, yeah. The Mike, Mike McDonald. Mike McDonald, yeah, that's right, that's right. Who was at the time the most successful stand-up yeah, comedian, yeah. you know, in yeah. Canada? Let's give him a sitcom. This mm. all makes sense. Mm. Uh, and then, uh, <laughs> <laughs> pretty characterless, pretty, you know, like what made that show, what hooked you to that show? There wasn't much to it, you know, you know? it was also in the time period where people thought, uh, Canada couldn't do a sitcom. It was just yeah, not our yeah. thing. Yeah. We're okay at sketch. We're no good at sitcom. Mm. And so anytime you would pitch a comedy show to, uh, CBC or CTV, it would you'd be told um could it be a variety show because yeah. we know how to do that so let's make it a variety show and so okay. you got infinite variety shows yeah. i guess the red green show is a pretty popular expert as well but that's more of a sketch comedy show than it is a sitcom red green i would say my theory on red green <laughs> was uh that he he well i mean uh the what's the name sorry of the fella smith steve smith steve that, smith yeah, yeah steve smith okay so Steve Smith started off buying his own television time. Yeah. So he would uh, he did a show called Smith and Smith with his wife mm-hmm. uh, Morag, and uh, and 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 then he did uh, I think it was called not Comedy Inc. but the Comedy Mill, 
and he did uh, the comedy Ellen Mellon. She was involved in it as well. And Pat McKenna was involved in, in that one as well. Okay. And he did like, I think there was two other shows between Smith and Smith. He did a sitcom as well. Yes. That a she was involved in really, as well. Yes. A really icky sitcom. Right. Yeah. So here's the thing. He wasn't bad. And he had a character called Red Green that was popular in almost everything that he did. Yeah. I think even in the sitcom, he also played Red Green as a separate character okay. to the lead character that he was in. And same with the, that about it, but the okay. comedy mill. Yeah. And, okay, and this is my cynical mean, and I'm so sorry. <laughs> I apologize yeah. uh, in advance and afterwards. Yeah. It was like, he's got to find a way to get his wife out of this because she's not good. <laughs> But okay. how do you say to her, I'm doing a TV show yeah. and, you know, you're Sonny Bono and you've got to go share. Yeah. You're not in it, even though Cher <laughs> was the incredibly talented person. Yeah. Uh, so, so he's got to do something. It's like, here's what my sitcom is. It's a lodge for men. Mm. And there's no women in the show. <laughs> oh, so I can't be. No, no, I wish I could. Baby, I wish I could. But there's no women at all. Mm. Like in the whole show, None. None will appear for the entire show. Yeah. Okay, so it's not me. Not you, of course not. It's just a show I've created with no women. <laughs> you know, like people do. Sure, sure. Like normal people do in yeah, comedy. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. And so he, he, he established himself by basically spending his own money to do a vanity project. Mm-hmm. And then I think a couple of vanity projects. And then he had built enough... Uh, clout from the one character that people liked uh, to to do this uh, Red Green show and then made that show fairly inexpensive. Yeah. And then, yeah, it uh, kind of took off. It came at, a, at the right time and place for, for sure. that kind of like men's uh, in the woods uh, <laughs> it, show. Yeah, it kind, of, it kind of piggybacked with like tool time, like the, the Tim Allen, Tim Allen kind, of, yeah. kind of stuff Home for sure. Yeah. And, and Pat McKenna really cranked up, you know, the comedy in that as well. And I used to work with Pat well, on a, on a uh, CBC, Rick Green also on a Seafox show. What's that? Rick Green was also on that. Rick Green is also in that. Yeah, he he did uh, a silent character in Black and White that was always like getting hurt. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, my my father in law loved that show. Of course he did. Because it was yeah, it's right it was up. for him. Yeah, it was for him. Yeah, exactly. It was bang yeah. on. It was for yeah. him. And I believe the show was created because he needed to do a show that his wife <laughs> couldn't be on. <laughs> I mean, it's possible. Or maybe... Like, imagine pitching that show now. This is like, it's a show. Yeah. No women. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, okay. And uh, any people of color? Mm, maybe accidentally. <laughs> but it's going to be a pretty white show. Yeah. Pretty fucking white. Oh, that of the time, of course. But... Yeah. But when you've taken women out of the mix, mm-hmm. and now it's all white dudes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's interesting. But it's, maybe uh, it's not of of uh, any other, not of this era. You know, I'm just going to slightly counter what you said because I please do. In my mind, they're like prairie folk. They're probably from Ontario, but in my mind, they're like prairie folk. That's what the show always felt like to me when I would watch it as a kid, because or as a teenager, because it was so fascinating. It was like it was such a you know such a uh, what do you call it? like a uh, a cringe watch. You know, like you just watch it and just go like. Oof. Okay. Oh, they're singing the song together. Oh, uh, but I feel like ran from ninety one to to two thousand and six. The Red Green Show. That can't be right. That cannot be right. <laughs> yes, it was. It's around for a long time. I said it was successful. Like it's huge. Oh my god! It was huge. Like I know in in your world, it's it doesn't exist that that way. 
But I I know that if my father-in-law was watching it, then that show was big. When was Smith and Smith on? 79 to 85? Yeah, yeah. We were, we were young Holy when that was on. Holy shit. When was the comedy mill on? Sorry. <laughs> I've got I've to find this out. This is killing me. Comedy mill. Yeah. Okay. That was 87 to 91. When? Four years. <laughs> Holy shit. Okay. And what you were talking about yeah. was me and Max. Yeah, that's right. Me and Max. Yeah. yeah. Me and Max ran from 85 to 86. Yeah, yeah, the boys. Okay, so it was it was him as like the main character, and then she was the wife. Yeah, and uh, uh, there we go, husband and wife comedy team. Uh, and uh, and the boys' uncle uh, on that was Red Green. I see, I see. Yeah, that was a that Holy was a, another shit. that was another cringe watch that you just Holy watched. Holy shit! It went from ninety one to two thousand and six. <laughs> we should all have lightning strike us like that. it went okay so yeah. it was like on two like just you know small little ontario station like yeah you know yeah. chch tv blah blah, mm-hmm. blah. Mm-hmm. then it went on to ytv then it went on yeah. to global then it went on to pbs then it went on to cc yeah it was big it was really big <laughs> but here's the other thing from 91 to 2006 yeah 300 episodes yeah which again sounds like a lot yeah it does you know what? That is a lot. No, there's no, there's no two ways about it. <laughs> it's, it's a lot. It's a lot of episodes. Throw up my hands. It is a lot. <laughs> it's a lot of duct tape. A lot of duct tape jokes. And and okay. And mm-hmm. so the Red Green show, here's yeah. the other thing that made it work. Okay. Uh, the other shows were all made from, from Steve and uh, Morag working together. Yeah. Uh, and created. Yeah. Uh, this was created by Steve Smith and Rick Green. Yeah, yeah. I know Rick Green was involved yeah, in it. Yeah, so I yeah. knew he was in it. Oh, okay. But I didn't know he was a creator yeah, yeah, and no, writer on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, yeah. No, it's... Okay. For what it was, it was a fine, it was a fine show. Like, uh, I used to, you know, because I would often be at my in-laws uh, around, you know, often at lunchtime. Yeah. So I could get free lunch. And then... Uh, <laughs> And the kids would be there, you know, like the girls would be there and, and they love watching that show with grandpa. Like they would be on the couch watching. <laughs> and that was great. Yeah. There's lots of fun stunts. You know, if you like Super Dave kind of stuff, they would do all kinds of goofy, you know, like repair, car repair gags and stuff like that involving, you know, you know, uh, elaborate, uh, pra- you know, slapstick kind of stuff. And as well as, you know, he's, he likes a verbal humor. That very yeah. deadpan kind of style, but also there was a lot of really broad slapsticky oh, kind sure, of stuff sure, in the sure. show as well. Which was a smart thing with uh, with uh, you know Rick Green. It's it's weird because you keep wanting to say Red Green, <laughs> uh, but Rick, with Rick Green, yeah, it was all yeah. physical slapstick. Yeah, which yeah, was, yeah. Which, which was smart. Okay, here's here's my trivia question then for you. Okay, okay. Uh, which is like okay, so um, both mm. uh, the fish and musician played by John Candy on SCTV. Yes. And Red Green okay. uh, were based on a Canadian television series. Oh, really? Yeah. That ran from 1968 yes. to 1989 Wow. on CTV. Okay. What was that show called? The name Red Green has a bit of what this other show oh, really? was called. Yeah. Oh, I have no idea. What was it called? It was called The Red Fisher Show. Okay, I remember that show. Yeah. I mean, when we were... And it was a, an expatriate who would uh, go fishing or hunting yeah. and take you with him. And uh, You say expatriate? Uh, yeah, it was an American uh, expatriate, uh, oh. B.H. Red Fisher. Okay. And he would add different guests and he would narrate uh, as they went off okay. fishing or hunting. Yeah. Yeah. When I dodged the draft and came up to Canada, little did I know that it would be this... A little bit of that, yeah. (laughs) So they'd have like uh, Slim Pickens or uh, Alan Hale Jr. Skipper from uh, Gilligan's Island. Sure, sure, sure. 
you know, or, you know, or a hockey player yeah. or whatever. With Let's the, face it. They're all slim pickings. Yeah, that's right. Ted Williams. Uh, but Gordie I do. Howe. By the time I was aware of that show, he was, you know, he was an elderly gentleman. It seemed kind of past its prime, you know, quaint. Let's call it quaint. A quaint show. Kind of like, it's funny the Tommy Hunter show, which was like not my, not my cup of tea and seemed rather... You know, yeah. bizarre that it would be on okay. television. And the, and the show took place at. It was a musical show. Everyone. The Red Fisher show. The Tommy Hunter show. Tommy Hunter, yes. Kind of like, but kind of like Red... Canada's Lawrence Welk, although that makes oh, it yeah, yeah. sound too even worse than it was. But, but uh, I'm just going to say that the Red Fisher show yeah. took place at the Scuttlebutt Lodge. Oh, really? Which was the tall tale capital of the world. Yeah. I called it. So I'm trying to think what it was called in the Red Green show. What the lodge was. Yeah. Uh, what was it? Called? I think it was more like a Possum Lodge. There. You, yeah. All right. It's been a while since I saw that show. But the Tommy Hunter show, I'm trying to think like how long the Tommy Hunter show. A long time. He was more like a country singer. Yeah. So when I say Lawrence Welk, I just mean it was it was sort of a musical show where they'd have, you know, perf- regular performers on the show who would do songs and then they would have guest performers as well. Would they do sketches? No, they wouldn't do sketches. Just like all songs. Okay. So, but like the Lawrence Welk show had like key performers, you know, they would come out and they would sing a song or play the accordion really well or whatever. Right. And then they would be on every week, and then they would have people who would kind of rotate through. And that was the same with the Tommy Hunter show, which, like I say, I never watched. But Lisa grew up watching it because they only had, you know, three channels growing up, or four channels. Yeah, I'm just trying to look at, like, when the Tommy Hunter show, how long the Tommy Hunter show ran. Incredibly long time. It will not tell me. Oh, what? It's very disappointing. (laughs) Come on, Wikipedia. Yeah, no. Get your act together. It's not not doing the job. That does it. I'm not donating anymore. Okay, fair enough. Huh. Huh. The book, uh, okay, Knowlton Nash wrote a book in 1996 okay. called Cue the Elephant. And yes. it uh, had some disparaging remarks from the show's makeup artist about uh, about uh, Tommy Hunter saying that there was, uh, he could sell himself terrifically, but there was no love lost between Tommy and the crew. They loathed him. <laughs> he made snide remarks behind Tommy's back, say he's the biggest jerk in the world. Huh. But that was not my experience. For me, I saw a very down-to-earth but Tommy does generate uh, anti as well as pro feelings for people. He didn't trust people around, and he became a monster to some. Wow. Wow. The dark side of the Tommy Hunter show. Well, and it became a movie, Monster Hunter. Yep. And Tommy Knockers. <laughs> There's two different movies came yeah, out of that show. Yeah, that was just people who would knock Tommy, <laughs> yeah, Tommy yeah. Hunter. Once he didn't like him or Tommy Knockers, and then he was Monster Hunter. Right. Yeah, I, th- yeah. I think going back to Red Green for a second, I think something else that like uh, helped was uh, there was almost like this feeling like, he was going to start talking to you about Jesus at a certain point. Like <laughs> that's that's what I mean. That's what we thought they were I thought they were from the prairies. Yeah. Cuz they just seemed so wholesome, like weirdly Yeah, it wholesome. felt like an Archie Christian comic where mm-hmm. like they're getting into shenanigans mm-hmm. and then, you know, at one point, but have yeah. you thought about talking to the Lord? <laughs> because they would end the Smith and Smith show. Yeah. Like they do these big broad, oh, so broad uh comedy sketches. Yeah. And uh oh, it was just like it was like you were at camp. <laughs> and then they'd sing uh, Hold Back the Water at the end. You got to hold back, hold back the water, hold it back, reach up for higher ground, higher ground. Hold back, hold back the water, hold it back. Don't yeah. ever you let were, it get you down, you were singing, get it down. The thing is, though, the, hold back the water. The whole approach to the show the was so low key. Hold back the water, hold he, it down, hold he was, it down. He was like, it's so weird. Like he's an entertainer, but his whole thing was like holding it back. Mm. Like everything was like so low key and deadpan and so dry. He had a really odd approach to to his uh, comedy. Mm-hmm. 
And it just, yeah, it always felt kind of amateurish. And maybe that was Moreg. I don't know. But I'm not, I'm not a Moreg basher. Listen, no, no, I she, like Moreg. She tried, she tried her best. Lovely lady. I'm sure, I'm sure she, you know, I'm sure she was just felt, kind of felt like a deer in the headlights sometimes, or her husband is dragging her into these things. And maybe it was her choice to not be involved later on. You know, I'm no. judging from, no. judging from no. them. They probably no. had like 12 kids. No, unless, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, no, I would no. I would say if that was the case, yeah, uh, that she said offhandedly at some point over dinner, just quickly, you know, you could just do the show by yourself if you wanted to, and he jumped on that <laughs> like a cat on a laser pointer, like he was just, hmm. oh, okay, if you want, if yeah. you want, baby, yeah. if you want, if you want it, baby, sure. then I'll do the show by myself, baby. Yeah. Okay, all right. Well, you're not going to have any pretty girls on the show, am I? Are you? Huh, pretty girls. You know what? I'll tell you something, baby. No girls at all. All dudes. All dudes. I love that this is your theory of that show. Yeah, that's that's my theory of that show. <laughs> Just to get rid dump his wife. Not, not dump his sad. wife. That's she, sad. Like, They're still what? together, folks. You only get, what, They're you only together. get three TV series together? The, who gets three <laughs> TV series anyway? You got all the TV series, you're fine. And then, you know, you do the one uh, other series without them, and there it's a huge hit, and everyone loves it. It's That's of, just a coincidence. It's, it's fine. one of those weird things where, like, there must have been someone who really, like, some program director or whatever who just thought they were the best. They only just... have two sons. They have two sons. Two sons, okay. Yeah, that's fine. Huh. Makes sense. It feels like they'd have way more kids. Yeah, right? yeah. Oh, this their whole their whole their whole vibe, vibe is yeah, just yeah. like <laughs> it's like they're all, that's what I mean. They just felt like they're some people from the prairies that were like religious zealots who decided Something. to put on a comedy show. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they have like, you know, sixteen kids with all with names that start with a Z. Yeah, you feel like you feel like you're gonna get a knock on your door and it's gonna be like the Mormon thing, but it's a guy in plaid <laughs> who just like, Hey, can I tell you about yeah, uh, the good word? Yeah. Uh, about Jesus and duct tape. I'm like, <laughs> you know what? I would say no, but I wanna hear where this is going. Yep. As Jesus said, keep a stick on the ice. Yeah. And then uh, and then they duct tape you up in the basement until you believe in God. Like, oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> you could easily do a red green horror movie. Real easy. Hmm. Yeah. You're already in a cabin in the woods. <laughs> you should think about it. Mm -hmm. You should. Everyone out there, think about it. Were there musical numbers in the red green show? I don't think so. I don't remember that. Maybe being... that was the other good thing was he put away the guitar. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Maybe that is uh, something that when you got that beard yeah. and you got the guitar, pastor. After Rick that's Green, a pastor. After Rick Green broke it over his head, no more guitar. Just kept bringing it out. He's going like, okay, in this part of the show, we'll have a song. <laughs> snatch, snatch, and clong, yeah, 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 yeah. Wait, is it? Yeah, I'm trying. Why do I think like Pat McKenna had a guitar at one point? Ooh, it feels like Pat would have brought out a damn guitar. Yeah, you got to just smash the guitars as they come. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, like I say, the show was on, I didn't, I watched it a few times, but. Here was a weird thing the other day. It wasn't day. an accolade. Uh, I was on YouTube uh, and they had the pilot for Bizarre. Oh, really? And you know, like uh, John Biner was the mm -hmm. host of Bizarre. Yep, yep, and it was yep. on CTV and it was on and some Bob cable channel. There were two, yeah, there were two two versions. There was the the one, the one that was on like uh, cable, which uh, yes. had nudity and swears. Mm -hmm. And there's one that had CTV that was all there. Went, but but uh, John Biner was not the original host of the oh, show. Oh, really? No. Was he a guest star that, that kind no. of. Oh. I don't really know where this went, but I was watching the pilot yeah. and, uh, and the. 
uh, pilot was hosted by Richard Dawson. Really? Yes, really. That's odd. It is very odd. And was he in the sketches? Yes. Huh. Yeah. He did all the stuff that... Yeah. Uh, was he good? He was Richard Dawson. But was he good? Yeah, timing. Okay. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's not uh, John Biner. He doesn't no. have a whole bunch of crazy characters. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I'll, uh, I'll send you a link to it. Sure, I'd be interested in yeah. seeing it. I wasn't like the biggest bizarre No, of course you person. weren't. Why would you be? <laughs> it, was, it was there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was It was completely there. Um, there, were, there were things it was competing against that were better. Mm-hmm. I mean, I watched it because I was at my grandparents' uh, yeah. home. And they liked that kind of thing, mm-hmm. so they liked a nice, broad, semi-dirty sure, sure. comedy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and it was it was fine. Yeah, a lot of single entendre in that. In oh, that show. so much so. <laughs> and like, and now we're going to do the racist family. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I mean, it feels like the kind of sketch you'd see on Thirty Rock is like a sketch that no one would ever do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just like, yep, they'd all at, do the racial jokes, at and the at time. the end they go, "But we love each other, and we all love each other." I'm like, all right. <laughs> I get what you're. I get. There's not enough irony in the world mm. to cover up what. You're just you're just doing the thing. <laughs> it's fine. It was again. It was a very different era. Oh, I just I say one more thing about the banshees of Inishirin, which was uh, please. T- this morning at work, I kept thinking in an Irish accent. So I listened to to this two hours of people talking and with an Irish accent. I couldn't help myself. Everything, all my thoughts were kind of like, "Indeed not, sir." You know, just so weird. Would anyone be wanting some popcorn? <laughs> no, my... I don't want popcorn. Why? Because it's dull. <laughs> Your popcorn bores me. <laughs> Go get me some uh, goobers. Like, I can't get you goobers. Why? Because they only have them in America. Mm. Aren't we in America? No, sir. We are not in America now. No, we are not. We're in Canada, sir. You're going to be getting your glossettes and you're going to be liking them. <laughs> are they in a box? They're not in a box no more. They're in a little plasticky package. Not like when I was a boy. <laughs> oh, when I was a boy. <laughs> the glossettes, they all came. Yeah. We didn't have almonds. At the Cottonwood, their popcorn isn't great. I'm going to say that right now. It often feels like it's from the day before. They just kept, kept, it in the, kept it in there and just shoveled it out to the next day. And you're just kind of like, nah, thanks a lot for nothing. But they do have like, it's kind of also kind of weird. Like, it feels like they're willing to try anything. You know, like they have like nachos. <laughs> takes forever to make. Like someone orders nachos, you might as well just go into the movies. But forget yeah. about getting something from the concession because it's going to take them a half an hour. They have hot tea. Yeah. They have cotton candy. You know, that's not the worst idea in the world. They have little self-made bags of, of gummies. Okay. You know, this for sale. Okay. Um, yeah, they're just like anything. Or, oh, they have a sl- slushy machine, of course. Yeah, yeah. Slushy machine's pretty standard now. They have... Um, what else did they do? There's one other thing that's weird that they, that they do. And I can't think of it now. Sorry. But yeah, it's odd. Like, does anything... I remember it, uh, the first the first time I, I had... Uh, oh, that's a little different. Uh, <laughs> at the movies was... Uh, the um it was uh, uh the royal uh bank uh cinemas you know okay. so the ones yeah, yeah. underneath there was like 10 cinemas royal, royal center yeah royal center and uh and they would have like uh, nanaimo bars and they'd mm. have odd little cakes yeah and whatever and it'd just be like what yeah no this doesn't make sense yeah. a nanaimo bar yeah you can't have a nanaimo bar these like, are only but no, served at funerals you'd understand yeah this is uh art house movies <laughs> There's some European films here. I'm like, oh, okay. okay. So this makes sense. So I sure. could have a Napoleon uh, while uh, <laughs> watching a French film. <laughs> hey, I could see a penis. That's weird. You don't see that in America. <laughs> oh, it's good. It's a good movie. Yeah, yeah. That screen is so small. I can cover it with my thumb. <laughs> yeah, it was small. 
It was good though because when the when the movies let out, it wasn't a, a huge rush of people coming out of the same no, time. No, when the movies let out, you could all uh, ride in the same car home. <laughs> it was fine. Yeah. You could, I, yeah. But then but, the ridge also had that. The ridge also had like pastries and odd mm, little things. Yeah, yeah. And it was yeah. like everything but like sushi. It was just <laughs> all right. But here's the thing: that's that's their bread and butter. Like the tickets are. You can get bread and butter. Yeah, they're not sure. making they're not making anything off the tickets. They're making their money from their concession. So the more doodads they can add to it, the more ways of getting you to spend money. Sure. The better for them. But there's some things like you don't you don't want to be eating like an Enamel bar while you're no. while you like that's just first of all it falls chocolate the, the, yeah first of all you're getting your chocolate on your fingers it's melting. so that's problem number yeah. one yeah then the the coconutty uh base yeah is yeah. like falling apart sure so sure. that's covering you on yeah, that yeah. level yeah. as yeah. well so the only way you can have that is if you put it in like if you hold it in something like a piece of paper and now you're <laughs> now you're an asshole it's just like popcorn makes sense yeah you reach in you put it in your mouth yeah you quietly chew it mm-hmm. it's nice it's everything's fine everyone's happy it made even more sense when it was served in buckets like now it's it's noisier now because you have yeah, a bag it's noisier. yeah yeah i mean it's like it's like there's a reason they don't sell pop rock <laughs> well they don't sell pop rocks because they'll kill you Right. Because if you have Coke with a Pop Rock... Then you'll die in Vietnam. You'll die in, you'll die in Vietnam? That's what happened to Leave it to Beaver. He died in Vietnam eating Pop Rocks. <laughs> they were like, we're going we're gonna to right. do a stealth mission. Yeah, yeah. And he went like, okay, I'll go yeah. on this stealth mission. Yeah. I'm so hungry. <laughs> no, Beave. Yeah. Don't, don't eat your Pop Rocks right. now. They'll, yeah, yeah. Charlie will hear us. Yeah. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> pop, pop, pop. Yeah. And then more pops. Bang, bang. <laughs> pop, pop. And then... And uh, when they found then, him in the Jeep, there was a hook hanging from the... The door. Yeah. It's crazy. And then, oddly enough, there was a reboot of the uh, show uh, later, and he was in it. It's good for him. Even though he was dead. Even though he was dead. That's the commitment <laughs> that that kid made, Jerry Mathers made. Yes. Yeah. As the beaver. Yeah. And he came down from heaven himself. <laughs> he left. Summoned by Sorry, t- Tony I go ba- Dow. I got to go back to Earth. Oh, Tony Dow. Nice, nice grab. Yeah. Like, I was trying to think of his brother's name, but I couldn't. Yeah. Who played Eddie Haskell? I know. No one can rem- oh, <laughs> can't remember. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but damn, he was good in the remake. Uh, he was, he was good. good in the original. He was good in the re- original. But he was also good in the remake. Yeah, yeah, he had a nice depth to him. And, yeah, uh, yeah. He, because he had to play the dad whose son was another Eddie Haskell type. Yeah, yeah. So he had to play different levels. And it was like, good for him. <laughs> good job. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, Lisa loved Leave it to Beaver when, I, when we were like, you know, da- first dating. And I would go over to her place. We would watch Leave It to Beaver on, on KVOS. Okay. The rerun channel. And yeah, she just, she loved Dick Van Dyke show and she loved Leave It to Beaver. Dick Van Dyke was a stronger show. Well, of course it was. Well, it was a hipper show. But I mean, as a straight sitcom, I guess yeah. Leave It to Beaver did a good job. At, yeah. I mean, it it laid down the ground rules. Mm-hmm. Fine. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's Dick fine. Van Dyke, though, was just really good. Oh, great show. Yeah, yeah. Here was the nice thing about Dick Van Dyke. Okay. Uh, aside from everything about Dick Van Dyke, which <laughs> yes. is great. Uh, oh, God, it was good. That was a good show. God damn, it was a good show. Um, uh, the problem with I Love Lucy is this. Mm. Is uh, Ricky, is, a, is is he a big star? Is he not a big star? We don't know. Yeah. But he but he's like uh, regularly he's, performs yeah. in the club. In a, yeah. But I mean, that for us now, that doesn't make sense. But in those t- times, sure. it made sense. Would he get recognized on the street? Yeah. Would there be news articles about yeah. him? I don't know. Is he pop like he's? He was complaints department famous. Ooh, ooh. 
You, you said some message people, received. Some people recognize you on the street. Wow. Except he could afford to his apartment, and he lived in an apartment. He didn't live in a house. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is fifties New York. It's a bit, a bit different. Oh, it's again. in New York too. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, you don't live in a house in yeah. New York. That's stupid. Yeah. But like, he had a wife who was like, "I want to be in the show." Yeah. And you know, she's a real morag. Um, <laughs> also and, redheaded, and also redheaded. Yeah. Uh, as far as we know, we had to take everyone's word for it. Like she's a crazy redhead. Maybe she is. Maybe she isn't. You don't know. It's black and white show. I don't know. That's right. When uh, when color TV came along, they're like, "What are we gonna do? Dye your hair." I don't, oh, well, that's great. Good idea. <laughs> uh, but okay. So At first they panic. So this plot yeah. happens over and over again. Yeah, yeah. I want to be in the show. Yeah. You got to be in the show because uh, he's Italian for some reason. Because I'm going to do that because it's easier to do. <laughs> one spicy. Uh, you're uh, one the spicy redhead. Uh, it's like, yeah, let me be in the show. No, I mean, can't be in the show. Yeah. And so the show happens, and then whoever you know, she breaks the legs of the actor who's supposed to be in the show because she's you know uh, vicious and very Tanya, <laughs> yeah. Tanya Harding ish. Yeah. And uh, and she gets in the show. Yeah. And she's great. And she kills. And mm. everyone loves her. Yeah. Like, she never tanks. Yeah. It's like she can sing. She can dance. Yeah. She can do everything. Yeah. To, to the point where I feel mm-hmm. that the backstory here is she used to be a showgirl in Ricky's uh, band. Yeah. And then they end up hooking up. Mm. And she's like, I can still have my career. Right, Rick? It's like, <laughs> no, it's no good. <laughs> oh, my God. So that's that. <laughs> that's my Cuban accent. Very good. But my problem with that is, like, you know, you've I feel got like I'm someone in Cuba. here. Who's completely talented. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, before she had a baby and whatever, yeah, yeah. she's just hanging around the house. Why not put her in the damn act? She's great. Mm. Uh, you know, you get the money. Yeah. You're married. Mm. What's the... It's, there's no reason not to. Unless you're fucking around with uh, the mm. other showgirls. Mm, in which case, you don't want her around. In which case, you're a son of a bitch. Yeah. In which case, fuck you. But the nice <laughs> thing about... Uh, I guess the idea, though, is that... No wife of mine is going to work. Yeah. I, what? I can't support you? You know, blah, blah, blah. So. Yeah. Well, no. You're married. Now you get to slay or laser on the house. That's right. You've got a very conventional job, Ricky, working in the mill. No, you're <laughs> working in the nightclub and she wants to sing and yeah, she's yeah. good at it. Yeah. She's an amazing talent. Uh, more talented than you, let's just say. Um, <laughs> but on the Dick Van Dyke show, yeah. uh, uh, Rick, uh, is his name Rick? Uh, Dick? Is it Dick or is it Rick? It's Rob, isn't it? Rob Petrie. That's right. <laughs> So Rob Petrie's there, and yeah. Laura is his wife, and Laura's uh, very talented, and she's yeah. like, "I want to do the show," and yeah. Rob's like, "Okay," and then they do the show, <laughs> and they're great. Yeah, yeah. And every time they, do, and then uh, you know, and then uh, Maury Amsterdam's like, "I want to be in the show." Okay, I want to be in the show. Says Rosemary. Well, <laughs> you sound like you have a lovely singing voice. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, uh, yeah, you can be in the show too. And they all were in the show, and they all had fun. And it was never that thing of just like. Uh, I'm not letting her be in the show. Mm. I don't want her to be part of this. Yeah, I don't yeah. want my wife in yeah. tights dancing in front of anyone. It's like, no. She puts on the sexiest outfit in the world and dances her ass off, and it's all great. <laughs> and he's cool with it. And they clearly love each other, and it's yeah. all good. And she's a bit emotional. That's true. But, you know, so what? <laughs> Rob. Keeps things fresh. Yeah. Oh, Rob. Rob. Oh, Rob. <laughs> they have their weird kid who just yells. <laughs> It's like, God damn it, you're, you're mic'd. That, Tell the kid he's mic'd. Richie or what was Little it? Richie. Yeah. Little yelly Richie. Just, <laughs> constantly yelling. Shut up. You're in a house. Yeah. What's wrong with you? Why are you yelling so much? Do you have an off switch? Oof. That's my one problem is that kid. Aside from that, the show is amazing. <laughs> They're cool. They're having a good time. Yeah. It makes it look like it'd be fun to be in a writing room. Mm. 
it's not. But <laughs> that makes it look like it would be. I think, well. He I, can't come up with ideas. He does push-ups. I like that he can't come up with ideas, and so he's trying. That's great. Yeah, it's yeah. good stuff. Rosemary's amazing. Maury Amsterdam's amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You got Carl Reiner. You don't see him much. It's fine. I, I like it. I like him best when he's not on camera. On camera. Yeah, like, he shouldn't be. He should be like an off-camera voice. Yeah. Like I, once they started inc- incorporating Alan Brady into the the show more, I, I kind of it kind of lost me there. Yeah. Well, he was supposed to be the uh, lead, and then uh, audiences went uh, no, <laughs> and so they got Dick Van Dyke to be the lead. But it was originally him. Yeah. And it was his life, you know, working as a writer on comedy yeah, shows. Sure, sure. Basically, on your show of shows. Yep, yep. With Neil and Danny Simon and and Woody Allen and Mel Brooks and Mel Brooks. Woody Allen was a bit later. I think Woody Allen worked on like specials later on, not okay. on the original your show of shows. And Sid Caesar would like hold people outside of the window because he was a crazy man. <laughs> he was crazy strong, crazy. and everyone was scared of him, terrified. Yeah, started off doing USO shows, like performing for military people. I guess that kind of big. Loudness worked worked really well in that situation. Um, uh, Woody Allen's really interesting about working with Danny Simon later on in the, Neil Simon. No, his brother Danny. Oh, okay. Um, just just because he was su- such a fussy writer, like he was so like every I every T had to be crossed before we can possibly even think of showing this to anyone. Okay, you know, and everything had to be just perfect. And Woody Allen found that a little frustrating because he's someone who just wants to let's just put it out there and see what <laughs> happens. Yeah. You know, but no. I think Danny Simon was like the head writer for um, the, your show of shows. So everything kind of went through him. And Mel Brooks was the big clown. Yeah. Who would just like strip nude and like <laughs> be sitting there at the writer's room in the morning. Like, hello, boys. Like, Mel. Yeah. And Mel would go, it's a different time. <laughs> like, what does that mean? Ah, it's fine. You'll understand later. <laughs> That's right. And then, he, and then he pointed at everyone and went, I'm going to outlive all of you. Like, mm. Mel, really? You're kind of a big guy. I don't think you're the healthiest guy in the world. Hell of you. <laughs> it's in the genes. Name a year. And someone went, I don't know, 2022. I'll still be alive. Like, really? But in what state, Mel? In what state? <laughs> I'll be making uh, TV shows in 2000. Mel, listen to Mel. He says in 2022, he's going to be making TV shows. <laughs> yeah, we'd like to see that, Mel. Also, Broadway. Okay, Mel, whatever. Put some pants on, Mel. Shut up. Is he making TV shows now? Yeah. Uh, they did a History of the World Part 2. Really? Yep, for TV. It was felt that they should continue that movie. Well, it was sequel. It was promised. It was prophesized. Hmm. Yeah. Let me see if it's out yet. Interesting. And he did, uh, it was just in that Automat movie. Movie about automats. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was a documentary, though, where he's... It was, but he was in it. Mm. You know, he didn't say he wasn't going to be in documentaries. <laughs> I just mean, it's not like he's creative. He's just sitting there yakking about eating a lunch in a automat. Let's see. When is it going to be... When is it... Eh, it should be out. Okay, those are amazing ideas. What? Automats. And it's also yeah. amazing how long they lasted. Like, they were still mm-hmm. around in the 80s. Not... People keep trying to bring them back. I don't know. It seems like it would have been the perfect thing during COVID times. I guess. No, no but you're still around. eating. You're still eating in a public place. Though. Well, you got to separate the tables. That's what you yeah. got to do. You got to have that. But then you're just going up to a thing and putting, uh, scanning your card mm. or putting your money in, and mm-hmm. then just taking out the food you want. Yeah. 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 Then walk away. But they have to be popular enough that there's always turnover. The problem is, is if 
you're putting money in and the food is cold because it's been sitting there for a long time. It's not so great. Like in the in the day when they were like a big business, there was constant turnover of the right. food. So everything was always moving. Well, one of my favorite restaurants is Pret-a-Manger. And that's a, you just go up to it and it's like, what are the sandwiches here? Yep, that, that, done. I mean, it's not a million, it's not behind any uh, little doors. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's basically, it's just, we're just putting the food out. Yeah. And then when we run out of food, we'll put more food out. <laughs> uh, but that's the, that's the idea. It's like grab and go. I feel like, it, so you can't go there and get like a croque monsieur or a croque madame or whatever there? At, at Pret- they did have, okay. In Canada, no. Okay. Uh, but in uh, in the UK, they did have some hot sandwiches that you could go okay. and order. Yeah. And I guess you could say, give me this without this and give me that without that. But most people would go in, grab, pay, yeah. out. Okay. Yeah. It was the convenience. Hmm. Hmm. And their sandwiches were so good. And now they're, <laughs> I think they've got like two of them in BC now. Have you tried one? Okay. How was it? Really good. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Never... It's not as good as uh, the UK because they don't have the uh, crawfish sandwich, which is the best one. Okay. The best crawfish and rocket. Crawfish? Like, oh, yeah. It was like shrimp, you know. You know, because Britain's well known for their crawfish. Oh, so good. I can't even tell you. Oh, my God. I would eat that every freaking day. If so I could. often when you're driving through England, you see those kids down by the, the creek with their overalls with the cut up overalls <laughs> crawfish catching you know sure down there speaking Creole. hello mate <laughs> I'm, I'm getting a curl daddy eyes and then you uh you yeah. say how much for uh, a craw a crawfish and they'll go a tuppence and i'll go and i'll go reach for my tuppence and i'll be yeah. like hey me wallet's been nicked <laughs> and oh. then a kid's like whistling consider yourself at home as he's uh, oh, walking, walking down walking the street right? and it's like that's the one that's the one that's the one crawfish that just seems weird mm. like do they have crawfish in england are they import like are they flying I don't, know crawfish? T- I don't know what to tell you they're flying crawfish from thousands of miles away to serve them in little sandwich shops in england that just seems odd to me uh crayfish yeah yeah crayfish uh wild crayfish and rocket uh yeah there it is yeah it's a sandwich with a wild crayfish handful of fresh rocket simple delicious uh it's got a nice uh, sauce to it like a Kind of a cocktail-y sauce. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So you're thinking that they don't have uh, wild uh, crayfish in uh, in England? Oh, I don't know. But now that you say crayfish, well, I'm, I... Oh, but crawfish, no. Yeah. Is there a difference between a crawfish and a crayfish? I don't think so. I guess it's just the nomenclature. Okay. Let me just see. I'm going wild cra- cra- crayfish. Yeah. Now I'm going UK. Yeah. Uh, why? And they get, the first thing that comes up is, oh, okay. Why are uh, they serving these uh, sandwiches in England? Uh, why Britain can't eat its way out of its crayfish problem. Uh, oh, yeah, the crayfish, unfortunately, is... Uh, okay, uh, crayfish is an invasive species. Oh. And so uh, there's some problems. Okay. okay. Is it legal to catch crayfish in the UK? You must not trap or remove any native crayfish in England without written permission from the environment what, native crayfish? Yeah, I thought they native, were invasive. Native white-clawed crayfish oh, okay. are a protected species. You can I only see. trap them for scientific purposes or for <laughs> sexual ones. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> that's so an offense to harm yeah. or remove native white-clawed crayfish. Okay. But there is a, then there's an invasive uh, version as well. I, guess. I see. Yeah. The black-clawed. Yeah. Interesting. Which is probably why they took it off the menu for a while. And everyone went, no. And I think it's back on it now. Yay, okay. but it's probably farmed. Yeah. That's because they were able to convince the government that their science, their sandwiches were scientific. Yeah. We want to see what's going to happen when people eat them. That was easy for me to say. Hey, words are hard. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I have very hard. It's, it's okay. Words are, words are difficult. Um, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, uh, hand over the show to you for uh, this period of time Uh-oh. now uh, because uh, you have brought a gift and the gift is the gift of music. The gift of laughter. No. No. That's a curse. <laughs> it's a curse. Laughter's a curse. Yeah, a curse laughter. Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. It's a, it's all in this uh, sequel to that movie Smile where everyone smiles. And oh it's yeah, a curse. yeah. Uh, there's one where it's laughter. Called laugh. The next one is yeah. this one. Oh dear. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to spoil it for people uh, who haven't seen Smile and uh, mm. are going to go see Laughs uh, when that comes out. <laughs> All right. But you used to have a, uh, a podcast. Mm. It was a delight called the Sinky Dragon Listening Party. Uh, you did it uh, with uh, Mary uh, Dedrick, who's uh, fantastic. And you would talk about uh, songs and you would have themes. And, oh, d- delightful. And people went, we want more. And you went, all right, shut up. And uh, and so now we every two weeks we bring a little of that show to this show, and uh, thank goodness Sneaky Dragon was in both names, so it doesn't confuse people. And <laughs> and and there you are. So um, what is the theme for this week? Uh, the theme for this week, well, like I said, it's the. Uh, I thought it was a gift. Turns out it's a curse, but it's a laughter. Ah. And I was. Uh, oh, so there's songs with laugh in the title, or some version of laugh, which is a verb, an action. It's an action word. Yeah. I but watched uh, Schoolhouse Rock. It's its 50th anniversary. Is it? Yep. That means? World. I'm <laughs> you jumped on my joke, but thank Sorry you for doing that. that. It's fine. No, no, no. It's okay. It's okay. It's, it's, it's obvious. That's how obvious it was. 50 is a tragic number. Yes, it is. It's a tragic number. It means that you're quite old now. Let's see. Okay. But I was I was seven years old, when, or six years old, or seven years old-ish. I'm not quite seven yet, but I'm getting there. I'm not seven. I mean, 57. In uh, what, 20 days. Oh, wow. I'll be 57. Happy almost birthday. Thank you. I'll and buy you a uh, thing of Heights 57 sauce. This year, they're celebrating my birthday by having Lent start on my birthday. Oh, so do you get to have cake? Yeah, we're going to go on the weekend for... Uh, okay. Because uh, Lent, of course, Lent starts on Wednesday. So we'll go Are you on doing no sugar again? Yeah, it's the usual thing for us. No sugar tonight in his no coffee. Sugar. No sugar tonight that- in his tea. Also doesn't drink coffee. Also <laughs> does not drink tea. True, I don't. <laughs> because I replace coffee and tea with with uh, other you know other caffeine derivatives like Coke. Right. So I can't have any of that for my for my time of Lent. And, and I do co- like, and, and cocaine and cocaine as well. I do. I go off of hard drugs. I'm on soft drugs. So if they're squishy, if I can squish them on my fingers, yep, it's okay. But if it's a hard drug, wait a second, cocaine I can squish with my fingers. That's fine. I'll keep using it. Sure. All Just right. a pinch Just between a pinch. the cheek and gum. <laughs> That's the way I use it. Like snuff. So, everyone. It'll snuff you if you take it. This is, um, this is laughter, everyone. So we're going to start off. And, and actually, I kind of I kind of chose songs that were all from the same era as well. There were some I was thinking yeah, of using. Yeah, it felt like there was a... Yeah. Was like, yeah. I, I had some other ones. one run on the radio station. At the <laughs> I had some other songs, but I was kind of like, you know what? I'm just going to go with all one era. So I, I dropped a few songs off of this list. Um, they'll be in a different one. I had enough songs that I could do more than one laughter thing. So okay, maybe another time. Sure, sure, sure. Anyway, let's start off with a band I love very much. This is the Merry-Go-Round. Okay. Uh, from, this is from 1967. Uh, so I, I, it was a single that came out. So it's, the song is called She Laughed Loud. And this came out uh, as a single on A&M Records. So let's give a listen to the merry-go-round. Here we... Oh, before I start the song, actually. What, what happened? I just want to say, just listen to the... Why do we stop? Just listen <laughs> okay. to the interesting arrangements of the... Uh, okay. of the 
it's a really interesting arrangement, I think. So just kind of, kind of pay attention to that a little bit All right. while you're enjoying the song. Let's give a listen, everyone. Here we go. song I, it was a good unfolding beat yeah i liked i uh, felt like you would uh, hear this in the background of a wes anderson movie or like an edgar wright film <laughs> sure. maybe okay yeah okay and so yeah I, I kept thinking like what would this be underneath owen wilson walking down the street mm. yeah wearing a distinctive hat because it always feels like well like rushmore and a bit of the royal tenenbaums feel like um wes anderson had just discovered the rhino collection <laughs> the english the british invasion Okay. Uh, series and so he's just borrowing all you know the creation and all these kind of songs that appear in Rushmore are all from that series to me and so like he's obviously like right into it and you know putting all these songs sure. in and so the merry-go-round which was the uh the starting well the second band for Emmett Rhodes before he went solo um he was in a group called the Palace Guard we're British girls hello and then uh, the merry-go-round was the second group that he was in. And then after he was in the merry-go-round, he said, "No more groups for me. I'm gonna do it by myself and keep all the money. Ah! Only I'm not gonna make enough records 
to meet my contract and I'm going to get sued for half a million dollars by my record company. Oh, that classic mistake. <laughs> yes. You know what? I can do two albums a year. No, you can't. Not when you're going to record them yourself, Emmett. But anyway, uh, yeah, I really like this song. I think it's great. And it's it's produced by Larry Marks, who was, um, he was at Columbia as a house producer. Then he moved to A&M and produced some great songs at A&M, including uh, producing Phil Oaks uh, A&M albums up to up to rehearsals for retirement. And then he, then Larry Mark said, I'm retiring. Someone else can produce the next album. But yeah, he's a really good producer. And I think, I don't know if I want to credit him with the arrangement or credit Emmett Rhodes because both of them are incredible arrangers and uh, one or the other uh, made the song sound really great. Okay. Anyhow, so let's move on to our next song. Let's do it. Some more laughter, everyone. This is The Laughing Boy from Nowhere uh, by Simon Dupre or Dupree. I don't know how... I don't know if he was really called Simon Dupree, but anyway, Simon Dupree and the Big Sound, um, which only seems to have been released on compilations. So I have a feeling like this band was one of those bands. This is very common in England at this time, where they're like, "Oh, you're great. We'll put out a single. We'll see what happens. If it's a hit, you know, we'll see where it goes." Mm-hmm. And so then they put out a single and did okay, but it wasn't like a big song. But they're like, "Oh, you know, let's." record a few more songs and we'll see what happens. And so they recorded a few more songs and they put out some more. And finally, they had a big hit with a song called Kites. Not the MIA song, but kite, different Kites. Um, this one doesn't borrow the beginning of a Clash song. Like the oh, MIA all right. Was. There we go. Uh, so the, uh, but Kites was um, a pretty big hit, actually. And a song I don't really like very much. But then I heard this song and I was like, oh, this is really great. Who is it? Simon Dupree and the Big Sound. I had written them off because of Kites. But no, this is great. So yeah, here we go. Let's listen to... The Laughing Boy from Nowhere. And what I love about this song are the backing vocals. I love their kind of... Anyway, let's listen. Here we go. (laughs) This is Simon Dupree and the Big Sound. Face. I stole in the square 
Yeah, uh, the starting uh, it sounded like a uh, wipeout was going to be mm, okay. And uh, no, I really I did like it a lot, uh, but it sounded like it was introed by a haunted doll. Okay, so, yeah, that was like the laughter was a uh, chilling, yeah. chilling yeah, yeah. thing. Yeah, okay. Just pictured like a little doll in a rocking chair, just <laughs> going back and forth, and then uh, and then and then the camera pans over to a band that's also in the attic, and they start playing. That's so funny because like when you think about you know oh the the. The sound of the merry sound of children's laughter and that that idea for so long and then horror movies have completely like warped like hearing children singing yeah or hear, hear them children laughing is only bad to us now it's, yeah it's not it's not merry let's sounds, have some little kids sound. singing ring around the rosy yeah, let's yeah. have them and sing it nice and slow <laughs> oh my god <laughs> but really you could ashes ashes you could we show all that you could show kids doing that like in a playground and it would be quite it would be merry. But if you did it with a, like a camera slowly panning down a hallway in a haunted house, sure, that's a different experience yeah, yeah, yeah. entirely. It's all a context, yeah. of course. But yeah, your context for like a kid laughing now is merely it's bone chilling, you know. Yeah, we're also in prime uh, doll haunted doll times. <laughs> I was watching a TV show yesterday, and it yeah. had haunted like two haunted dolls in it, maybe three. Mm. I was like, it's just a big time for haunted dolls. It used to be a rarity. You see it on Twilight Zone and go, that's new. And now it's like, there's so many dolls. Annabelle. Annabelle, Chucky. Yeah. Uh, that uh, Megan. I don't know if you count her a doll. She's really an android, but. Right. But again, on Evil, they had a whole bunch of haunted dolls. Oh, you're, you're eviling it, so. Oh, I sure am. <laughs> Never not eviling. Did you watch uh, Poker Face? Yes. Very good. Yes. Holy cow, did I enjoy that. Here's one thing I'm really enjoying. Well, first of all, I like the structure of it. Mm. I think they've taken the Columbo. The Columbo, yeah. And, they've, and they've, uh, they've taken all the good and just went, you want it a little shorter, right? Yeah. yeah. There's never a Columbo episode that you're not going, okay. Could really, Cause it was, it's like James Bond. It was it's just, always a half hour you could lose. Yeah. Because the, the, they were designed as movies. But yeah, that's like, because remember it was on Friday nights. It's the mystery movie. Sure. They got to fill some time. They, they, um, had four different four different things that ran in that time. Yeah, right? Macmillan and Wife, uh, McLeod, uh, uh, Yeah, and the other parts changed. There was like Banachek, and I remember when Mike Roberts was on. He had another one, the Something Sisters, the Snoop Sisters, I think it was called. Oh, okay, that was also part of that, which I'd never heard of or seen. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, but sorry, with Poker Face. Here, watch like the latest one today. Watch the fifth episode. I haven't seen it. Yet. Uh, okay, I'll spoil it for you. Uh, <laughs> but here's the one thing that I'm I'm really liking about uh, Poker Face, and we'll get back to this because yeah, I yeah. want to interrupt the music. Yeah, that's thing. fine. I was I was one interrupted it. They they do this one thing that is so smart, uh, which is every character matters. Mm. Every character matters. You see like a little side character that has one line, and you're like, well, that's uh, neat. And then like we're coming back to them later. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. oh, and now we got an extra context for that character. Yeah, yeah. Every one of them, there's no wasted characters. Yeah. Yeah. And and you would normally have, you know, in almost any other show, like a law and order or anything else, it would just yeah. be like a character just says something, Hey, you're a dumb son of a bitch, and they shake <laughs> her fist. I'm like, okay, that's like a cranky old lady. And yeah, yeah. just like and then you see, and now off to my job with charity helping helping the disabled. Oh, that's nice. Oh, she was mad because the person almost like hit a person with a car and she knows that's how people get disabled oh yeah that's good you give me context everyone gets context everyone's a yeah. full person and so when murders happen you care instead of what you don't you don't care yeah. in Columbo because it's just someone you've seen for a couple of seconds who mm-hmm. gives a shit yeah but like yeah you care about everything there's like heart to it oh it's so good well i like that but what i also like is that because what the show does is which is fun is that it shows you the the, yes, it shows you, gives, it kind of gives you a little bit of backstory to these characters. You see the murder, 
you do feel sorry for the people who are murdered quite often. And then, but then the show rewinds time. Yeah. And then it inserts Natasha Leone's character into the story. Yeah. Then you pull you pull out off the side. Yeah. And see, oh, there she is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, this She's, is. Yeah, yeah. Now we're seeing it from the other angle. Yeah. Oh, this yeah. is so smart. It's really, like, really well, well done. How many times can you do this gimmick? Apparently, at least five. Because <laughs> it sure worked this time as well. Yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. been fun. It's been really no, fun. No, you're gonna like the new episode. It's very good. Yeah. And they've been really getting really good actors on it as well. Yeah. We had Adrian Brody and then... Yeah. Um, Everyone gets stuff to do. Everyone gets stuff, scenery to chew. Shoot, I can't remember her name now. She, But she was in the the, the heavy metal one. Uh, Chloe, Chloe... Oh, yeah, Sel- Chloe Savini. Savini. Yeah, Savini. yeah. She's so good. She's really good in that one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I know, like, um, she was talking... Uh, sorry, uh, Natasha Leon yeah. was talking about directing Nick Nolte and just saying he just does this amazing job. And it's like, yeah, I bet he does, and I bet he's got great things to do. And, like, all these actors are getting to do all these amazing, fun things to do. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, yes! Yeah. Like, it's just weird, like, Hong Chow showing up for a quick little yeah, role. Yeah, which is great! Hey, Academy Award nominee. Yeah, yeah, you know, like, yeah. She's in your TV show. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, she's great in it, too. Anyway. Anyway, what we're saying If you have is, a chance to see it, we're lucky here in Canada. Well, kind of lucky in Canada, because it's just playing on normal cable television. Mm-hmm. Not on uh, some obscure channel that you peacock do, do i want to like pay for another streaming service just to watch one show We've got a couple of shows good but yeah all amber, right amber ruffin shows good uh girls for five ever is good okay but yeah let's back to the music where are we at so anyway this is song number three everyone uh this is the middle class which you you know they're psychedelic because middle is spelled with a y Ooh, and this is wind chime laughter which this is another band only put out singles Never got a record out of out of it because they never quite made it. And they were on a label that maybe was a little behind its time. And this is Tomorrow Records, which was a label that was started by uh, Carol King and Jerry Goffin. Yes, that Carol King, Carol King of Tapestry. Mm-hmm. They started their own label uh, because they were quite successful as songwriters. And they worked for Redbird Records, which was run by Jerry Lieber. Mike, sorry, Mike Stoller and Jerry Lieber. Yeah, uh, you know them. Of you know, Jailhouse Rock, Hound Dog, there you go. all the coaster songs. There you are. You know, Love Potion Number Nine. All those things. They 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 you know they did a lot of big songs and stuff songs, like that. Yeah. And then they were smart enough to like hire Jerry Goffin and Carol King to write songs for their for their record label, Redbird Records. And they also acted as producers. And it was very successful. And then I guess Goffin and King thought, well, we you know we're good songwriters. We have all this production experience under our belts. Let's start our own label. Just at the time when that kind of fringe label wasn't going to really work anymore. You needed to have like a bigger, bigger muscle in this industry. The industry was kind of changing at this point. And they just started their label just to that point when it wasn't going to work anymore that way. Unless you were just lucky enough to get that real fluky hit that turns it all around and you can sell it to a major label to distribute it for you. But they never did. They never did. But anyway, this is Wind Chime Laughter. Uh, which, like I say, was on Tomorrow Records in from 1967 again. Let's give it a listen, everybody. Rings of all the crystal finger, diamond spectrum flavoring. is all the tenderness she Wind chime laughter coming after she 
this one, I got to go. It's technically fine. I yeah. did not connect with it sure. like I did with the others. Yeah, so yeah. that was just sure. just personal taste. Yeah. The vocals were beautiful. Mm. That's my thing. Well, you know what's funny is the vocals were by David Palmer, who he wrote the song as well. Yeah. Uh, who later was sang Steely Dan on their first album. Oh, okay. And he was brought in as sort of the acceptable voice that wasn't Donald Fagan. Okay. Because who has a very snide kind of singing style, and it was kind of felt like, like a, Donald's like not going to work. Dan. You know? Yeah, all right. It, he can sing a couple of songs, Donald, which but it turns out he sang all the songs that are really besides Dirty Work. Like I remember one time I was at a party or something like that, and the song Dirty Work came on. And uh, someone said to me, who is this? And I was like, I have no idea who this is. Like, I just had no clue. Because I wasn't really a Celia Dan fan at this point. Because right. to me, they were uh, a band that was played on my mom's radio station. So. And that person who asked you that was James Gunn. And he went, I'm going to use that. He would use Dirty Work? And, uh, yeah, in um, Suicide Squad. The the yeah. most modern version. Yeah, yeah. That, that was the song through the trailer. Okay. So yeah, so David Palmer uh, sang briefly with Celia Dan before it was decided that, no, these songs really need Donald Fagan's snide voice, snide New York voice to make them sell. So he, but yeah, so he, and also wrote songs with Carol King as well. Oh, cool. Because the bass player in the middle class, Charles Larkey, went on to form the city with Carol King and uh, guitarist Danny Korchmar, who had played with uh, the Fugs, and they they went on to form the City, and then that when that flopperooed because <laughs> just wrong time, bad timing, but sure. great album, but bad timing. Then uh, they played with Carol King when she did Tapestry and all of, all of her great '70s stuff. They were still playing with her. In fact, Charles Larkey married her. Oh, uh, I don't know if they lasted together, but they did were married for a time. Well, Mazel Tov. So anyway, that was that was the middle class, everyone. So let's move on to a rarity in the '60s. A, a tremendous rarity. I can only think of two other bands off the top of my head that were all female, who, but who wrote and played their own songs. Because ah. one thing to be, you can be this, the, you know, the, you can be the. There's a lot of female. The Ronettes in, in that time period. The Ronettes, the Crystals, yeah. the whoever, the Shirelles, all the Chiffons, those. They were the all. Duvets. Yeah, but none of them wrote and performed their own music. The pillows. Yeah. Whereas she, all things in the bedroom, who started off as the harem, mm -hmm. H A I R E M, get it? Okay, all right. Uh, they they started off. They preferred, They played their own songs. They performed their own stuff. It's kind of you know. It's kind of basic. It's a little bit crude. Not crude like you know. Oh, how crude! Like their taste. But just I mean, I mean, they they weren't really allowed to develop because they didn't get a lot of support. They're kind of like this other band called the Loved Ones, who were once again an all girl band, but just didn't get a lot of support from the music industry to to get them onto the next level. Fanny, who would be the other band I could think of who kind of started in the late 60s, would be the only group that really got some actual support. Like they got a really great producer in Richard Perry who really could throw his, his musical knowledge and muscle behind them and got them four albums at least, mm. maybe three. But anyway. Um, but yeah, never happened for She. But I still love this song. So let's give a listen. This is cool. Lonely Boy of Laughter, uh, which came out sometime in the... Well, it was recorded sometime in the late 60s did not come out in the 60s. It was just one of those things that languished in a vault on studio tape until uh, a, a record label in the, in the 90s decided to uh, put out a compilation of the group. So this is actually from a compilation called She Wants a Piece of You that came out on the British label Big Beat in 1999, which is also where I first heard um, Big Star. They, oh, okay. They, uh, Big Beat put out a... They're both the albums on one CD. is kind of like a... No one wants to buy it, so here you go. Both, <laughs> both of these great, brilliant albums on one CD. Uh, yeah, so um, anyway, this is, yeah, like I say, Lonely Way of Laughter by She. So let's hear it now. <laughs> 
And then, of course, David Crosby joined, uh, later on joined Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Which was good. After otherwise, he got, otherwise, the name would have made no sense. It's true. It's lucky he was there for that. <laughs> because after he got thrown out of the birds, like the birds, Gene Clark, not Gene Clark, Roger McGuinn and um, Chris Hillman drove up in their separate cars to David Crosby's house to officially tell him he was out of the group. Uh, they just were tired of his, his shenanigans. And also, David... He wrote this song called Mind Games, which he insisted should be in a B-side because that's where you got your money, of course. He, yeah. he learned that. And so it's just like a, it's a great song because it's just crazy. But but uh, I can see why they were mad at him about it. And then he wanted to do this song called Triad, which was like a celebration of having a threesome with uh, two women. They're kind of like, uh, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, Jefferson Airplane later did it themselves. But, uh, you know. Did you ever see the SCTV sketch that was Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young? No, I don't remember. Well, was, I'm uh, sure he did. But. Yeah, you probably did. I'm sure he did. It was Joe Flaherty as Bing Crosby. It was Bing Crosby <laughs> That's still right. Yeah. That's right. That's great. That's great. Yeah. I'm dreaming of a white. Just like the ones I used to. Nice. Yeah. So good. Very good. Uh, so, yeah. So they kicked him out. So then he, uh, he you know, kind of met up with Stephen Stills and uh, Graham Nash. And they their voices harmonized. We had to make a... We had to make a band together. So, they, yeah, they formed uh, Crosby, Sills, and Nash. A band called Triad. No, wait. <laughs> like, what's that mean? It's like, uh, nothing. I'm like, wait a minute. Do you mean trine? Uh, and so then, uh, let's bring it back. Call back. Listen to last week if you don't get that one. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So then, you know, they put out um, the first album. And then uh, Neil Young, who, uh, his solo attempt, his first album, uh, it uh, did what they call flopping it flopped it did not yeah. sell very well so then he was kind of like hmm, maybe i should join with my former bandmate from buffalo springfield steven stills and we'll we'll uh, have a bit of fun with this so he joined uh crosby stills nash okay and it became crosby stills nash and young and they did deja vu and that was a huge album like super big seller and so all four of them made solo albums after that album so they all were riding the, the deja vu wave so steven stills put out his first uh, solo album called steven stills and uh, Neil Young put out After the Gold Rush, which is, of course, a brilliant album. And then uh, Graham Nash put out Songs for Beginners. And then David Crosby went in the studio and he put out, he did If Only I Could Remember My Name, which uh, was made, to be fair to David Crosby, his girlfriend had just died in a car accident. Oh, so he was very low when he made this album. And it's, it very much reflects his mood at that time. But it also reflects the fact that he was becoming addicted to hard drugs as well. And so that's not great for your personality or your creativity or anything else that you do. But this album, let me just say right now, is a brilliant album, which of course, as a kid, I couldn't appreciate. It's so funny. I was thinking about this when I was doing this, because as you know, my friend Rob Repsol and I did Generic Drivel together, which was yeah, kind of like a, a, magazine. a punk rock fanzine. I'll sure. put that. But at that time, we were very much only new music is good. Sure. Anything that was from before the 1980s is garbage. Right. Should be thrown into a garbage and can. Don't trust anyone over thirty. And don't trust anyone over thirty. And then uh, we we met David M. And then we met some friends of David M. And they all kind of started contributing to the to the magazine. And all their contributions were like celebrations of like the turtles. And and David M. One of his first things to do was write a rave review of "If Only I Could Remember My Name" because he wanted to counter all the negative reviews of it good, from the good, 1970s. Good. And so before anyone else jumped on this bandwagon, David M. Was there uh, promoting. If only I could remember my name. And so I didn't even hear hear of it until he told me about it. And I listened to it then. And I was like, uh, maybe this whole throwing away all the music of the past is wrong. And 
maybe I do like this music a lot. So anyway, this is all around. Cool. This is a long way around. And if you haven't heard the album, just listen to Music is Love because it's a, a great song. But this is another great song from the album called Laughter. I mean, Laughing, sorry, Laughing, uh, which is kind of a Zen song. And this is David Crosby uh, from, if only I could remember my name, with a lot of uh, session musician friends like Jerry Garcia and Paul Kantner from, and Paul Kantner and Joni Mitchell and Neil Young. They're all hanging around uh, working on this album. It's, it's great. Anyway, here we go.
Yeah, uh, Head and Shoulders is the best song of the bunch. So yeah, it's just so good. Right? Just yeah. so different level. Like yeah, the yeah. other ones are like, yeah, that's really it's good. It's fun. Uh, yeah, enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. These are good music. Yeah, enjoy it. Yeah. What's this? Yeah, uh, yeah, different league. <laughs> okay. I'm glad you said that because I was when I listened to it, I was kind of like, hmm, I wonder if people are going to like this as much as I do. Mm-hmm. And I do because I love. Oh, this hey, song. look, there's Green Arrow. Yeah, he's doing a nice job. Okay, there's Firestorm. It's pretty good. <laughs> Oh, there's Superman. <laughs> oh, he just turned the world back and uh, reverse time. Yeah, and, uh, like, yeah. Okay, saved it. All right, fair enough. Yeah, it's um, the album. I think the album has only has five songs that actually have lyrics on it. There's like a lot of like wordless songs, okay, and stuff which maybe people aren't would be as into as much. But the songs, the songs that do have lyrics are all brilliant. Like there's a song called Cowboy Movie, which is basically a retelling of Crosby, Stills and Crosby, Sills, and Nash and Young, when Rita Coolidge came into the midst of them and they were all fighting each other to try to be <laughs> be her boyfriend and it's caused the band to collapse and it's all t- retold as a sort of a Western movie. Oh, wow. And it's brilliant. That's it's an a, interesting idea. It's a brilliant a song? song. It's a brilliant song. Wow. He's a great songwriter. Like, that's the thing. Like, I'm so glad that, like, later in his life that he kind of, A, got his shit together and stopped being, like, a dr- drug addict, but also seemed to become, well, he was still an asshole. Like, he still alienated Neil Young by insulting Daryl Hannah and then alienated Graham Nash by getting mad at him because he left his wife and hooked up with some other lady and and David Crosby, you know, said some said some mean things about or whatever. But he was just a guy who would just talk off the top of his head. I mean, he was he's the alpha male. That's his thing. Not you know, and then you know, that's his life. That's the way it is, you know. I think because he he went to private school. Like he grew up, he was a very wealthy kid growing up. His parents okay. were both very well off. His dad was a cinematographer. Uh, who worked in a lot of documentaries and a lot of films. He would walk around with a curly a white wig and a giant lollipop. That's how you knew he was <laughs> very rich. Yes, he had a big bow tie on yeah. and a big hat with a ribbon to hang yeah. down. Yeah, more short shorts. Yeah, buckles on his shoes. <laughs> buckles on his shoes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and I think, you know, he went to private school and I think he kind of brought that that kind of rich kid entitlement and also the competitive nature of being a kid in a private school, you know, where you have to like kind of fight to have a place in it. Which you do in most schools, but I think it's even more so in a school with a lot of people that are very wealthy and are kind of like one crushing each other and stuff like that. And he kind of brought that into his life. Unfortunately, he was an asshole, but super talented, an amazing musician. And uh, I'm just, but I'm glad that, yeah, he, he got it together for the last part of his life and just produced some great music. His stuff with the Lighthouse Band is great. And his, you know, he just like almost a year before he died, he put out a solo album, which is really good. So mm. yeah, he just kept, kept plugging away. And always doing his own thing, like never, never felt like he was trying to be commercial, or whatever. Uh, even as like, I wish I played Lady Friend, which was an attempt to like, I'm gonna write a hit song for the birds, but it's just such a crazy kitchen sink production that of course I'd never, no one listened to it. But yeah, it's great, David Crosby. Nice, peace, man. Peace out. Um, so. <laughs> Thank you so much for uh, that little uh, slice of music. Ah, no problem. Uh, the part of the show we normally go to now is the one we're going to go to now, which oh. is uh, the bag o mail. <laughs> yes, we put up, we print them out into we print out all the comments and we put them into a bag. Yeah, and then we draw our favorites out and then we just read all of them. <laughs> um, it's weird that we would do that. Yeah. Uh, but last week we asked a couple of questions on the show, and those questions were. In your opinion, what's the worst TV series? Also, what is your favorite mystery? Huh. Yeah. And uh, many of you said the mystery of the Holy Trinity. And I was like, oh, that's nice. And those, those, that was Steve Smith, who was the first one. Who, <laughs> you know. And then he started singing, hold back the water. Um, but no, you, answer, you asked, answered our questions and commented on last week's show. 
And so I am going to now read them out loud, freeform style, oh, cold read. You're going to rap? I'm going to rap, yeah. Uh, the first one I'm going to rap is from Matthew Sanborn Smith, and it goes like this. Gents, when you were talking about dated crossword puzzle references, <laughs> I thought of a dated crossword puzzle. Answer of mine from a year ago. The clue was Singer Perry, and it was four letters. The answer was KD, but I wrote Como. Sigh. So that was Matthews. I hope you're not going to do that with all of them. Okay. Thank you, um, thank you for that, Matthew. That was uh, that was that was good. Yeah. I also, I also. Would uh, you have gone with Como uh, over uh, Perry for uh, Como uh, Como over Katie? Yeah, for Perry. Yeah, I go with Como over. Oh my! Uh, Laurel Robertson uh, replies, Matthew. This may be laugh out loud because I've been uh, taking up crosswords in the past uh, few months, and there have been a few of those kind of answers from me as well. Sigh, indeed. Yeah, I I do a crossword. I do crossword puzzles with pencil, so I can erase those sort of things. Because I feel like if if I did with pen, I would be so st- stuck, um, and I would and I would never want to write an answer in just in case it wasn't right. Because then what do you do? How do you erase pen? Right? You so. don't. You just deal with it. You just go. I <laughs> you made just, a mistake. <laughs> and that's and just the way work it around is. it. Yeah, you just you, know, oh, you just work around it. It's so frustrating. Like sometimes I go to my mom, my mom and dad's, and my mom will have like the crossword on the table, and everyone's she and my brother have tried it and they've given up. They're done. But it's not finished. Yeah. And so, but it'll be all done with pen. And so there'll be all these wrong answers everywhere. And it's so hard to like get it right. And so I'll be trying to write with big letters to try and cross out their mistakes. And ugh, it's frustrating. Like, why don't I just use a pencil? Then you can erase it. But oh well. There you go. My dad used to do uh, the New York Times, everything, and blah, 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 and all the and all the pen and all the perfect lettering. And I'm just like, yeah, it's nice. fine. Nice. Yeah, made me not want to do it. Um, <laughs> Lisa, who is the co-host of Horse Mysteries, also available on the Sneaky Dragon Network. It is. Uh, right. Regarding Ian's question to Dave about the difference between college and university, mm-hmm. I asked you that and you went, shut up. I don't want to answer. <laughs> I, um, did, I did not. It just kind of put me in a spot. Because when I went to university, when I went to college slash university. You went to the School of Hard Knocks. Uh, well, I and did. they hit you a lot in the head and yeah. then you forgot everything you learned. I went to the <laughs> I went to the School of Hard Fox and Socks, actually. But Oh, we're Tweedledoodle's battle? We're Tweedledoodle's battle. Tweedledoodle battles. Yep. Anyway. In a puddle. In a with puddle a with a puddle. Noodles. <laughs> with noodles. But there's also Knox, sir. Fox and Knox. No, anyway. So um the thing is like when you asked me that, like I went to school when colleges were different than now. Like colleges now can offer like are almost like they call themselves universities. Actually, all the colleges that I went to or that yeah. you went to, yeah. they all call themselves universities now. So I went to Douglas University. You went to Douglas College. Now it's Douglas University. Woo-hoo! I went to Quantum College. I'm a college. big shot. <laughs> it's right in our portables. So I was at, went to Quantum College when it was in portables. Yeah, nice. But anyway, go on, Lisa. Don't let us interrupt you. All right. Uh, when we all got out of high school, it was quite different than it is now. That was just what you said. Yeah. Sorry, dear. You. you and your wife are on the same page we are on the same what page. a beautiful thing <laughs> my understanding back then was that colleges were not degree granting institutions you had to go to university for that a college could offer specialized coursework like interior design uh farrier some construction related courses and in the academic realm certificates and associate degrees or you could take your first two years of coursework at a college then transfer to a university to finish your bachelor's uh, and from there go on to do a master's phd or if you were so inclined Become a doctor, lawyer, architect. You know, there mm-hmm. you go. Yeah. Uh, the reason a person would choose to go to college in the past was it would have been cheaper, 
closer to home or for the smaller class sizes or because it was easier to get into marks wise. Yep, that sounds like why I went to college. <laughs> Me too. Um, today, all of the above are still valid reasons for attending a college, but most colleges have been granted the right to offer a limited amount of degrees like BAs while still offering their specialized programs, which offer cater to more of the uh, locals and local interests. As well, colleges are a good option for students whose marks aren't quite high enough to get into university. Having attended both, my take on it was the biggest difference was cost and larger campuses uh, and the very odd, very big uh, 600 plus class at university compared to a 20 to, first and 20 to 40 person college course. I know uh, Mary, Mary, your daughter, co-host of Sneaky Dragon uh, Listening Party. Also available on the Sneaky Dragon Network. She is. Sneaky Dragon Listening Party is also available. Uh, Mentioned after transferring from a bigger university to a smaller college uh, to pick up some courses that the marking was easier. Uh, But that could uh, just be that she already had her degree while she was in class and undergrad. So you might expect her to find the work a bit easier. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That or she's a liar. Oh. Could be. Could be, could be that. Could yeah. be that. Our friend. I, you know, I was going to say, I, I went, when I went to Ferrier School, I went to Kwantlen College. Okay. And they had a, they had a Ferrier, like they had a Ferrier program there. They still do, actually. Was Kwantlen College the same as Douglas College? Were they connected? Nope. Okay. Were they later? Nope. Okay. Not that I know of. Okay. Okay. Never Don't the bite my head be. off. I mean, come on. Is Capilano College related to Douglas College or Kwantlen College? Okay. I think Kwantlen College is somehow... I will look it up. Is Langara College related to Kwantlen College and Douglas College? I don't know. I used to teach there. I don't know. The, uh, the check's cleared, and that's all I gave a fuck about. Also, I used their uh, their uh, Xerox machine to make my comics. <laughs> I did it, and I'm glad. Glad, I tell you. <laughs> Good idea. Um, Louise wrote. That was one of the main reasons I, I taught there. I was like, I got a free photocopier. I'm going to make more <laughs> off the photocopier than I am going to make out of the teaching. <laughs> Louise writes, I wouldn't want to hurt anyone's feelings by singling oh, out... The by word- the way. What? Happy birthday, Louise. Oh, happy uh, Louise Day. <laughs> uh, and happy birthday to your twin. It's weird that you guys have the same birthday. That's a weird coincidence. Yeah, it is odd. Uh, I wouldn't want to hurt anyone's feelings by singling out a worst uh, TV show. I'll just say my... No, you're uh, not going to hurt my feelings. My least favorite genre is rich celebrity reality shows. What? My he- feelings are hurt. Another uh, pet peeve of mine used to be multi-camera sitcom uh, pilots with bad laugh tracks. If they didn't uh, even try taping it in front of a live studio audience, they either didn't have the budget to coordinate one or they knew the material wasn't funny enough to make anyone laugh. By the way, yeah, I like the eight-episode series reboot with uh, Rachel Bloom, Paul Reiser, and Keegan-Michael Key, a behind-the-scenes dark comedy about the rebooting of a popular 80s sitcom. It was probably a little too inside cynical for the general public, but it got the dysfunctional production dynamics right. Uh, I'm looking forward to listening to a Matea Roach, uh, the Jeopardy champion, yes. uh, advocate for Kate Beaton's graphic autobiography, Ducks, on CBC Radio. The Canada Reads website refers to Matea as them, so I will as well. Good for you. We will as well. Uh, I thought they were really charming during their run on Jeopardy. I've noticed a trend in multi-game champions, which I'm not sure is a good or bad thing. As their run goes on... The host will ask them about how they got ready to be on the show. They then talk about practicing their buzzer technique and going over clues and answers from past shows and seriously boning up on categories they are weak in. For me, that would be U.S. states and state capitals. What would be your weakest category? 
You know what? Let's make that one of our questions this week. <laughs> what would be your weakest Jeopardy category? Hmm. I like that one. Yeah. Mine would mine would be uh, geography, like not necessarily geography, but lakes and rivers, kind of like I often. Yep. That's stuff I don't really know much about. I'm pretty good at states and state capitals. Yeah, geography is just completely gone for me. And maybe opera. Uh, opera. Not so, hey, you know what? I'm saying that. And I just ran an opera category the other day that I saw on, on uh, YouTube. So, no, I'm smart. I can do opera. Yeah. All right. It really just depends. But I know mostly if, if Bugs Bunny has covered it, then I can do it. <laughs> there you go. The Barber of Seville. Yeah. Oh, and correction. Uh, the reboot... Uh, is in reboot is of a sitcom from the 2000s i forgot that the turn of the century was our uh 20 years ago <laughs> yeah that's uh that's fair enough i thought I, th- I liked i liked the performances in reboot i just thought and i liked the first episode of reboot i just thought then it kind of got in it, it introduced such a much more interesting uh idea than uh than than it went with and i thought rachel bloom's uh, character you know the shows that she had worked on before sound like oh they're gonna be a lot to that and then she was more of a no this isn't good oh, i don't like this oh meh. and she was a bit of a sour ball okay and it was like don't make her the sour like something more we need a little more they'll lift it up a little more and it was it was a little too what i've seen before with that and it was such a great group of people do do more, more with it yeah anyway uh edward dragansky writes and he does Okay. Every week. And we appreciate it. <laughs> yes, we do. Greetings, Sneaky Dragon Headquarters. Greetings to you, Dranski. It's not fair to call us uh, to call it a series because it was so short-lived. But I remember the Chevy Chase show being so unfunny, I could barely watch it. Yeah, I think like the... He did that thing about putting his hands in cement and it was all liquid and he fell in. And after that, awful. That was okay. <laughs> and then awful. And Goldie Hawn, oh, bless her. She seemed to like him so much. And you're we like, oh, I'm just wishing for the best for you. And he had fish behind his head. And I was like, oh, I'm looking at the fish. And I'm way more interested in the fish. Anyway, uh, I think it was uh, years before I knew anything about Chase's soured reputation. So I thought it was just all around bad writing performance and production as for sitcoms <laughs> i remember as a young teen watching the san pedro uh, beach bums i remember that one as well that's a sitcom yeah i i confused it with another sitcom that came out i think that same year called on the rocks that was a sitcom that took place in prison yeah uh i real i i remember the uh the opening title uh, uh image of san pedro beach bums uh, a real stinker from 1977 I don't know uh, why I thought uh, of this one, but I remember looking forward to seeing the ABC Fall lineup, thinking it looked funny. I think one episode had Charlie's Angels guest star, so maybe the producers were in charge of the show. Uh, <laughs> if you don't remember how cringy late 70s this show was, here's the intro from the pilot, formerly known as the San Pedro Bums. And then we got the uh, the link there. Yeah, I'll, I'll take a look at that later, and I bet I will go, yes! Yeah. I remember in college being uh, really drawn to the 1988 mystery DOA with uh, Dennis Quaid, Meg Ryan, and Daniel Stern. I remember I saw that at the Granville 7 Cinemas. I saw it in cinema number seven. Um, (laughs) I I saw it several times uh, and bought the poster for my dorm room. I thought it was a pretty clever film, not knowing at the time uh, there was a 1950 film noir original. 
It was also cool because it was filmed locally in Austin and San Marcos, Texas, even though they never really say in the film where the campus is located. I guess we were to assume uh, it was in Los Angeles because it's Christmas time and everyone is sweating. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know what would be fun is to do DOA, but like then make it like um, a procedural. And uh, the one guy is like dying, but like he keeps forgetting he's dying. And like they solve other mysteries, uh, and uh, and and every so often he goes like, "Aren't you dying?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, right." <laughs> and I'm like, "Get into it." It's no dumber than Lucifer. He's the devil. Yeah, but he's helping solve crimes. What? <laughs> he's partnered with a detective and the sorry, sorry, and the <laughs> devil. I mean Satan. Yeah, yeah, Lucifer, the fallen angel from the Bible. Yes. He is helping solve murders. Yeah. Okay. But the devil. Yes. Why? You know, he's bored and he, he does, he's taking time off from working at his nightclub. Wait. He has a nightclub? Back it up. He's got a nightclub? I didn't even know yeah. Is he using that to like recruit souls? No. Hmm. He just has a nightclub. He likes having a nightclub. What? Okay. Sorry. Back to uh, the letter. <laughs> My grandma Dragansky used to work uh, those super hard New York Times crossword puzzles with no black squares in pen. Hmm. No one could beat her at Scrabble either. You mentioned your grandfather did the crosswords too? Yes. Uh, my folks now start each day with the daily uh, Dallas morning news crossword and complete it together before attacking the Wordle for the day. Hmm. Three today. You did three. Wordle oh, and three today. You did wordle. I thought you said you did three Wordles. No, I did not do three Wordles. Three wordles a day is too much wordles. <laughs> but wordle, did you do wordle. the jumble? I know. I didn't do Let's do jumble. it now. No. Um, <laughs> I returned safely from Seattle on Saturday. Good on you. Getting my fill of corporate spirit. Uh, but the downtown area was really great to, to see. Mm, it's lovely. Uh, seagulls in a big city. Wow. Yeah. That's not as big a deal for us. Yeah. Well, this is kind of, I look puzzled. Let <laughs> me look in the backyard. Yep. That is seagull poop. Uh, we didn't have time to see a lot of, a lot with meetings and so much togetherness, but mm. I'd like to see Seattle again one day. Unfortunately, uh, many returned testing positive for COVID, Ooh. so more than a few of my colleagues are dealing with that. I am sorry about that. Next time you go to Seattle, stop off at Dick's Burgers. Dick's Burgers, uh, they give their uh, employees dental <laughs> uh, it's also a good burger place. It's, it's just really, a, good. It's yeah. really good burgers, but um, and good milkshakes. Was were you at the convention center, Ed? Like, yeah, answer us. Were that's you? Where, that's where they have the Emerald City Comic Con, just so you know. Yeah, uh, we're right in the middle of a nasty ice storm down here. Yeah, why don't you come to the Emerald City Comic Con? Say hi. Um, <laughs> we're right in the middle of a nasty ice storm down here. Oh my god! And we've been working from home all week. Uh, we knew this was coming, so I stocked up beforehand. Now we're just waiting it out. Ian. I channeled my spirit comedian Oliver Hardy today and took a nice spill on the ice. Oh, brother. Oh, no. I thought you'd like to know you're in good company. I went right backwards and landed on my ass with the back of my head bouncing off the driveway. Ooh, Ooh that sounds familiar. Glasses flew off and everything. Aye, aye, aye. I was hoping our uh, back security camera caught it, but it was already shut off. It was spectacular. Up until today, the ice was that uh, white, granular, crunchy type. You could walk on, but this morning brought more rain and sleet and made everything super slick. Are you okay? How's your head? How you doing? Did you get you all right? No concussion? You all right? I'm concerned. Be careful. Don't mess around with that. Uh, you get anything weird? Get that checked out, okay? Uh, maybe next time I can bribe a pilot to fly me over the border and drop in on you guys. 
you know, that's just called buying a plane ticket. <laughs> Not really a bribe situation. I could bribe a cab driver to take me to the airport. <laughs> yeah, just pay him. Um, I'd love to try some white spot. Until then, I'll just bore you here on the website. Good evening, blessed sneakers everywhere. Yeah, we will be happy to take you to white spot. Never boring. Uh, last week, we tried to go to our regular white spot, but we were recording on a Friday. Yeah. And so it was too busy. Oh, it was crazy. So we had to go to what we call wacky white spot. It was pretty good. Yeah. It wasn't as wacky as normal, but it was still a little wacky. Well, the waitress is pretty wacky. There was wackiness. Wackiness ensued. The server. Sorry. The server. Uh, the person at the door was new, didn't know things. Didn't know things. He had to go. Had to I think his go, name was Buzz. His name was Buzz. And Buzz, when he got it, and he had, he had a, the beginnings of a mustache. Yeah. He's trying. He's got what I used to call a poop pube stash. Yeah. Just kind of hanging there. And then he we got, we got there and he's like, you know, he gathered together the menus and he looked like he was going to lead us. And he's like, oh, just one second. Then he kind of went and he sort of peered over the booths, looking around. And then he came back and goes, okay. And then we followed him over. Right. As in like, are there any booths available and uh, are any seats? And uh, yeah, tons. Yes. <laughs> tons. Lots of places. Uh, tons and lots and all but that But you were really stuff. impressed by what you ate there. Yeah, yeah, you I were had raving uh, about like a dinner. wagyu burger or some such. Yeah, and, uh, and which wait, is not yeah. what you would have yeah. at White Spot. And yeah. uh, God damn, it was delicious. I was like, it made me mad. It was like, well, no, it can't be this good. <laughs> then you had the pecan tart. It was really, really good. <laughs> I'm not gonna have it this week, but it was really good. God damn it! Like, and White Spot. Here's the thing about White Spot. I expect a good solid B minus burger. Yeah, you start throwing an A at me. Yeah. I'm going to expect too much. And now you've ruined it. <laughs> Give me a B minus. I'm good. Mm-hmm. I'm happy. Give me a cup of coffee that like tastes a little burned. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and have, please have the server tell me excuses why I'm not getting that coffee. We put a pot on and then the dog knocked it over. And uh, what? You know, why is there a dog a, in the restaurant? The, the, oh, the oh. dog's technically the manager. <laughs> he inherited. Okay. Long story short, the yeah. owner left the dog the white spot yeah, in his yeah. will. Yeah. And the only way that the oh. dog can uh, collect yeah. the white spot is if he manages the uh. business. Because he's got to be okay. somewhere involved in the business. Hmm. It's a long story, but it's just yeah. how White Spot works. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, How's it like working with the dog? De- what? How's it like working with the dog? A rough. <laughs> Peter Ayers writes. Hey, Peter. fellas. Uh, a quick thank you for... Yeah. Oh, by the way, this is the White Spot where the dog would greet you at the door. <laughs> he really would. We've been greeted <laughs> by a child, like a very, very young child who like was going to see us. Like, like what why are you doing this what is this This makes no sense better than working in a chimney that's right well you want some highballs <laughs> let me okay. see if i can find your table okay well i can't because it's too high up could you lift me on your shoulders <laughs> ashes ashes we all fall down it's creepy when i sing it right <laughs> anyway uh peter Ayers writes mm-hmm. hey fellas wait that's not what he sounds like what a terrible voice for him <laughs> A quick thank you for all the various permutations of the show you've uh, been floating on the Wi-Fi waves lately, particularly the lost Sneaky Dragon we never heard, <laughs> oh, in which you aired grievances, made shocking confessions, <laughs> and finally settled those, whose vintage chocolate bar uh, was it, uh, debacle. Uh, to the questions. I can't think there's a worse TV series. I can't think of a worst TV series, but I certainly hate the idea of keeping up with the Kardashians. I imagine mm. it to be the ne plus ultra of people <laughs> with nothing better to do, doing nothing better than getting ready to do nothing, doing the nothing, then talking about the nothing they've done. More broadly, their impact on popular culture has only, to my mind, 
then negative with the fixation on the quasi-pornographic image over uh, everything. Uh, moving swiftly to my favorites, mysteries, <laughs> in fiction, I love the twists and turns of G.K. Chesterton's mysteries. Oh, the yeah. Father Brown stories are delightfully playful, so turning fun. Golden Age mystery tropes on their head before the Golden Age began. Mm. I have a special affection for the Club of Queer Trades yes. and its constant surprises as a man uh, happening on a field planted with pansies spelling <laughs> out his death sentence in giant letters. Uh, the man who was Thursday is perhaps his slipperiest mystery mm. uh, with a plot which turns inside out so many times it finally dissolves into metaphysics. <laughs> the great mystery of mankind. Yeah, it's one of those books where it starts off with like it's so gripping when it begins and then it's your, your grasp of it starts to leave you at some point in the book and you're just kind of like i'm just floating on air now i have no idea what's going on anymore right. we're coming up on a word that i have uh read many times okay but i don't know how to pronounce okay i didn't actually read peter's letter it came so late in the day Very so good. i'm enjoying I'm just it. saying there's a word that i'm going to say wrong i just want to point out i'm a huge gk remember i was talking about being in the stacks mm-hmm. last week on the show when i was talking about and what was great about Not the stacks? Not confused with the um, uh, potato chip. Uh, oh, uh, that's right, or the record label. Yeah. So um, at UBC, that was what they called the library because it was where the books were kept and in stacks. They didn't have bookshelves. Right. But I don't know why. What led me to this? I read this G.K. Chesterton book about the poet um william blake but not about his poetry about his art mm. because he wrote for this uh, i guess it was like a, um, a book series that came out when he was a writer and they just had people write about old old art like old artists like and so they would just get someone like tk chesterton you know an essayist to write about this oh nice and the book was so brilliant like so like mind-bogglingly brilliant the way he like deconstructed blake in, before your eyes and made it it made it and you know he loved it, and so it was just one, amazing to oh, read it. That's great. And so that was such a turn on that I just started reading, all, uh, like finding all these uh, G.K. Chesterton books at the, the library there, and reading them and just loving them. Even though it, I really had no time to read because I was in the middle of doing seven language classes at, at that time. So my my you know my life was full, and so you know trying to, but reading on the bus home became like okay, I can read on the bus home. <laughs> that's okay. I can't read at home. I don't have time, but I can read on the bus home. And so I started reading J.K. Chesterton, and yes, I found the, I think I saw it at the bookstore, but Lisa gave it to me for my birthday. She gave me the Father Brown Mysteries, a big omnibus collection, like from a long time ago, a hardcover one. It was so brilliant. So yes, hooray for Chesterton. Hooray! In film, David Mamet's House of Games has some pleasing inversions, and The Spanish Prisoner was a lot of fun in the cinema. That's one of my favorites. I've never uh, seen I've never seen either of those films. I guess oh, I Spanish Prisoner is one of my favorites. Mm. I, I'm try, I've been trying to find it. Uh, on any of the streamers, and uh, I mm. haven't yet. Uh, but I really want to show it to. Uh, I know it's weird, right? Not really. Uh, stream. That's how streaming is. The, the, you can't find things. Yeah, yeah. There was a. I'll tell you something. There's uh, places you can go to to find stuff, but I'll send you. I, I see what you're saying. I'll send you a link. Right. Uh, both <laughs> films feature the great okay. uh, Ricky Jay, whose radio essays uh, for KCRW I found on Spotify this week. Anyone with an interest in ephemeral. Is that correct? Yeah, ephemeral, yeah. Thank you, culture. <laughs> should definitely take a listen. And I would encourage you, uh, dear presenters and listeners, to do so too. Uh, signing off with the flourish of a pen, Peter. Nice. There we are. Very nice. Hey, guess what? We have an we have a, a, a email. I don't want to guess. I don't want to guess nothing. <laughs> you don't want to guess? Well, what takes all the fun out of it? Yes, we had a we had a letter. And let me just find it we here. We get letters. We get stacks and stacks, stacks of, of emails. Letters. So this is uh, from our friend Laurel, 
And Laurel writes with the heading, some stuff, she says, as I take off my glasses, I just have a couple of things before I dash off to work. Please go on. Do go on. Do go on. First, do not decide against taking on sponsors slash advertisers for Sneaky Dragon. If financially it's the only way to keep the show going, please. I was just thinking again this week that I'm really thankful there are always a lot of great chuckles coming when I listen to you two funny guys. Oh, bless. Thank you. Anyway, my vote is always to do what's best for you and right for the show. That's not always the same thing, though. <laughs> Second, per your encouragement, Ian, mm. my husband and I watched RRR on Netflix that very night. Yes! He said after, Yes! That wasn't just a movie. It was an experience. Yes. I agree. As you further suggested... We didn't look up anything about it beforehand, mm, mm, mm. so we were amazed and shocked and stunned, as the Ruddles might say. What a ride. Thanks for the recommendation, Ian. Have you seen it yet, David? Sneakers? That's all for now. No good answers to the questions of the week, alas. Happy week to all, Laurel. Thank you, Laurel. And yes, I watched most of it. It was very long, and I had to, uh, I had to throw in the towel at some point, but uh, it was fine. I enjoyed it. Unfortunately, I... CGI animals really do my brain in, so there's a lot of that in the movie. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of CGI in the movie. There are, and uh, I kind of it kind of uh, ruins movies for me. Okay, that level of fair CGI, enough. So, uh, but I do I like Bollywood movies. Like I kind of like the older. I can't ones. think of any way of doing that scene without CGI. Any of the, yeah, no, there's no way. <laughs> but it's just but it's just like, and I'm sure if you did it like in ten years time, it would be brilliant. You know, but just where we are right now, like. You know, they have animals doing things that animals don't do. Sure. So it's you kind of have to, like, make it up. So it's kind of animated. And Depends that, how and much slack you can cut in your yeah, brain. That's right. Yeah. Your suspension of disbelief uh, yeah. was not far enough to yeah. uh, enjoy it. But I loved, okay. I loved the crazy stunts. I loved the, the, the rail crash and the guy swinging on the ropes. And dance that was all off. great. The dance-off. Oh, the dance-off was fantastic, yeah. That's the best part of the movie to me. I love that. And uh, I think the song got nominated. Right? I hope so for for an Oscar. So it'd be great if they performed. They did a performance. Oh, that'd like that. be wicked. That'd be a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, no, I, there's parts of it I I really really liked. Um, but I do have to finish it because I just it's just one of those things where like, oh my gosh, what time is it? I need to get up in the morning. It does go on. It's a very long. <laughs> it's a, it's long. a very long. Thing. I didn't realize it was three hours, and you start watching it like at, at nine, and it's going on and on. When we were talking about uh, things that are not available streaming. Uh, Tarek Davis, who's a co-host of uh, the Amber, uh, or like the sort of sidekick announcer of the Amber Ruffin Show. Okay. Uh, he uh, yes. posted a thing okay. today that was uh, interesting, which was um, he discovered uh, this show called Fallen Angels. Okay. That was basically like uh, uh, black versions of, uh, of uh, film noir oh, okay. uh, stories that was, and it came out. Yeah, like in either the early '90s or like late '80s. Okay, and uh, and they're all like so good apparently, but you can't find them anywhere. Yeah, except YouTube. They're mm. on mostly yeah, yeah. YouTube. Yeah, but uh, is it? It's Danny Glover who's in uh, uh, Lethal Weapon, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, I was confused. Yeah, uh, he, the final two episodes, he plays Philip Marlowe. Okay, and they're supposedly brilliant. Huh. And he was nominated for an Emmy for it. Wow. And he's the only uh, black person to play Philip Marlowe. Mm. And uh, and yeah, these are supposed to be like just just tip top good, uh, angels, but uh, you can't uh, find them anywhere. And to the point where you can't find the final episode, yeah. even on YouTube. Yeah, like that's just completely gone. Oh and it was wow, like that's an good. Emmy nominated performance. That yeah, was just like nope. Uh, but yeah, so uh, the hunt is on for Fallen Angels uh, on streaming, but it's on YouTube if you want to like check that out. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, that's 
I mean, something that Mary has talked about, because Mary is like a big advocate for owning DVDs, mm-hmm. just for that reason that you, you know, you don't own what's on a streaming service, you know, and they just can do what they want with it. They can take it off. They can do whatever. I guess the assumption is, as you say, with your wink, wink, uh, digital, uh, you know, yeah. uh, mm, vaults that <laughs> mm, can be tapped into, yeah. that there's really nothing you can lose forever because someone will have it somewhere and you'll... To just, a degree. Whether you want to get it yeah. by uh, legit streamy ways yeah. or other, mm, you know, ways yeah. uh, on the docks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, you can... Uh, that's where, I, that's where I go in the docks. I mean, I, I already... I you know I already pay for like four different four different three different something but then I pay for different services right sure I pay you for, do. so I agree you do I don't curl up with shame because I'm watching something I can't find anywhere like I was you know I wanted to watch the third Alexandra Swaran's film called Spring and it was just not available streaming so and in fact looking for her has disappeared as well because I was kind of oh. like oh maybe I'll watch that movie one more time before it's gone oh it's gone I guess Christmas <laughs> is over so it's gone so yeah it's uh. It, you know, that's just that's the life of uh, the streaming life, I guess. If you... That's the life of pie. And then the problem is, is because, you know, the DVD market has dried up. They're just not going to make DVDs of everything that you would want to see. And a lot of stuff now is almost like print on demand DVDs that, yeah. like Warner Brothers is making of. Like if you want to watch old Buster Keaton films, basically you're just watching them. They're just burning like CDRs and selling or D- DVDRs and selling them for, as Buster Keaton movies now. And that's Warner's, you know, so it's, it's kind of it's a little shady. A little shady, but what can fair you do? Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, yeah, but hey, let me tell you something. If you want to listen to old uh, episodes of uh, Sneaky Dragon, those are all available. And pristine, crisp, ready to go. Mm. You want to listen to uh, Sneaky Dragon Listening Party? Yeah, it's still there. still there. You want to listen yeah. to Completely Beatles? Do you want to listen to uh, Full Marks? Do you want to listen to Totally Tintin? You want to listen to, oh, I missed some horse mysteries. Well, don't worry about it. <laughs> We're good. How about something real obscure? What are you talking about? Like fansplainers. Fansplainers. I don't even remember doing that, but uh, let's see if it's it's there. Yeah, we got that one up there too. So uh, check it all out. Yeah, that's something I've I've often uh, wondered if I asked the girls, would you guys be okay with like keeping the uh, website going when I'm gone? Keep the shows available. Mm. <laughs> Get rid of my Facebook page, please. <laughs> no, no, no. We got to keep posting stuff on there. No, no. I meant when I'm gone. I don't. I just. I always feel bad when people who's passed their birthday comes up on Facebook. I'm just like, oh, oh. I guess it's a way to remember them. Yeah, they got to put a picture of uh, the sun coming through the clouds <laughs> and just going, you know, you were the ray yeah, and, the we red and the thing and and then, uh, you know, an ad for boner pills. <laughs> and the account gets stacked. I hope you will rise again as yeah, well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, question. So you have a question. My question, question would was, be, what what is your uh, weakest Jeopardy uh, category? If you uh, don't uh, follow Jeopardy or go like, what are you talking about? Uh, that we'd also accept Trivial Pursuit category. Sure. You know, what's your what's your what's your weak spot? Oh, sorry. You know, uh, geography as bad as I'd be. Uh, my would be sports. Mm. Unless unless yeah. Yeah. it got into like sports that weren't. Yeah. Like weird sports like that. Yeah. Then it'd be like maybe if you were asking me a question about like, you know, lacrosse, maybe, maybe because you'd have to dumb it down enough yeah. that lay people like me mm. could uh, could get it. Then possibly. Yeah. 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 What was the name of Vancouver's popular lacrosse team? Uh, the Ball Boys. Salmon Bellies. Anyway, which is true. Okay. Um, yeah, my question is, you know what? We were talking last week about uh, complaint department. Hey, I used to uh, host that for a little while. I don't remember that. If you if you told me yeah. 
hey, Ian, you hosted that for three years. I'd go, yeah. And if you told me, hey, Ian, you hosted that for three months, I'd go, yeah, that makes sense too. Both make equal amounts of sense to me. <laughs> How long did you host it for? I have no fucking idea. <laughs> There's no way to know. No, there's nothing. I found one episode of it on, on YouTube, and it's from 1988. So I was hoping to find something from your, your time period, but nope. No, we put it up on the yep. uh, on the thing last, uh, last week. I know, I did. Yeah. But that's what I mean. That was the only one I could find, though. Right. I could find nothing else. Just that one. Yep. And I put in, you know, complaints department. And then all I got were like complaints. Like if you want to complain to someone, oh my God, no. Complaints department, Rogers TV. Then it was all like how to complain to Rogers Television or Rogers Cable. So yeah, it was very unhelpful. There's like two Rogers Cable's things that are up there. One is complaint department. And one, oh, there's another show. I'm not going to say what that one is because I'm on it and I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> but the other but the other one is uh, like, I think it's called like Nate Moves or something. Okay. But it was like a music, a music one. And uh, it's from around the same era. And so there's oh, you mean their video show they used to do? Uh, it's not even a video show. I'll I'll, fi- I'll find okay, it for okay, you. Okay, but yeah, that's about it. Like not nothing else. Like, yeah, you know. And my fear is because I've got a whole bunch of uh, VHS tapes that I've got to like put onto something else. Yeah, that I do have episodes of the show and I do have things like that kicking around. And what uh, was the video show called that was on? Was it Sound Soundproof? Okay, one second. Is that what it was? Yeah, this sounds this this might be uh, what it was. Night move might be something else. I think night night, was night lines with CBC, yeah, yeah, with David Wisdom. Okay, <laughs> sorry, I was looking at like Rogers Cable soundproof, and then there's just things about how to fix your sound issues. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, but I know that they were gonna bulk erase everything, and Nardwar bought the videotapes. Oh, good on them. So I I was hoping that they would I appear. Wish that known about that with us. Yeah, yeah, people would tell you that'd be helpful. Yeah. What's Nardware doing? He's still still doing his interviews and stuff. Doing isn't he? his interviews? Yeah, yeah. Okay. He's very very immersed in the hip hop world. That seems to be the, the 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 musicians that took the biggest liking to him as a as a thing. Because yeah, I, think, I think he was a delightful surprise. Yeah, and I think they were really I was reading an article about it there. The guy was saying like uh hip hop musicians tend to be more interested in the history of the of the, the music and stuff like that. Whereas mo- a lot of rock Rock musicians are very much now orientated. Oh, it was called uh, Night Dreams. N-I-T-E-D-R-E-E-M-S. What a terrible way to spell that. <laughs> I don't remember that. Well, I never had Rogers anyway. I was I was a North Delta kid, so we had we had Delta Cable. Okay, well, I'm sending it. All right. And, I'll uh, take, give go, it a listen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or no, no, no. Yeah. Anyway, um, so yeah, I was thinking about complaints department. So what I was thought would be kind of fun is uh, our question is what's your complaint? Okay. Send us your complaint. Do you want to revive complaint department? I want to revive. We'll do a one time only sneaky dragon complaint department next uh, next episode. So let us know your complaint, everyone. Okay. I want I want big I want big uh, what's the word I'm looking for big um, participation in this. Okay. We're calling so for. You're like I want big complaints. This is a call to participation, everyone. Okay. Time do to you act. guys know what participation is? Do you? Okay. Look it up. Look it up. We all had to do a flexed arm hang because of it. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to uh, give you another clip here. Oh. That uh, it's, uh, this is not the way that, uh, you know, uh, people promote fitness nowadays. No. But Participation had a little ad that was called uh, Fat Into Fit. And uh, our friend uh, David Fine uh, directed it. There you go. So, yeah. Do you know, do you know the ad I'm yep, talking I about? Do. Yeah, I've seen it. I am familiar with it. But perhaps our listeners aren't. It, play, it played uh, a lot. It may show up in our on our website. And, and if it doesn't, that's because Dave went, no. 
<laughs> he forgot because he was rushing to get it done. If I get this finished, I can go have dinner. Mm-hmm. That's often my thought. Sounds good. But speaking of dinner, we should go get some dinner. Let's do that. So every, everyone, hey, how do you contact us? That's what everyone out there is asking because they've never done it before, right? So here, we want your complaints for next week. We want you to send them to us via these following methods. You can. Oh, you know what I'm wondering? If we don't give them, let's see if it changes things. In- no, that's not what I was thinking. Okay. All right, I'm going to do something. I might cut it out of the show. Okay. But here's I think here- we should have plugged in the equipment. <laughs> yes. Here's the thing we should do, uh, everyone. What you should do, you should participate by doing this. You should go to our website. It's called sneakydragon.com. There you can leave a comment. Your comment can be a complaint or an answer to Ian's question about what you're weak in in terms of your trivial pursuit and or Jeopardy questions. Uh, you can go to Twitter where we're sneak underscore dragon and leave a, uh, leave a comment or a complaint there. You can write us by email. It's sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. You can also um, go to uh, Facebook. We're on Facebook. Leave a comment or complaint there. Or, all right, this is insane. Ian, you can tell me I'm being stupid and I'll t- take it off after. My phone number. Whoa! It's 778-245-6116. You can call and leave a voice message and we'll play it on the show next week. Okay, one more time with that phone number because that's insane. 778 778- Two four five six one one six. Please don't sell it. Yeah, it will connect you with sexy signals in your area. So call. I don't answer my phone. So please feel free to call. You don't answer your phone. I don't answer my cell phone because I'm usually. Oh, it's your cell phone. Yeah, yeah, it's my cell phone. Okay, I was going. You give me your landline. No, no, it's not my landline. No, no, landline. This is uh, my cell phone. So I don't always. I don't always answer it if I don't recognize the uh, the phone number. Okay. So you'll just get sent to our voicemail. Leave a message. We'll play it on the show next week. This is a big invitation, everyone. 778-245-6116. 778-245-6116. Unless Ian tells me not to do this, in which case oh, I, it won't be available. I can't think of a reason not to. <laughs> All right. Wow. There it is, everyone. Okay. We're going for it. I'll, let me tell you Ian's. Just joking. I don't know. I, can, I can't remember I don't Ian's have anymore. a phone right now. <laughs> you don't have a phone? I do not have a phone. No. Wow. wow. No, wow. I don't. Well, there you go. Only You can only contact me. Yep. So, yeah. If you feel like it, drop us a call. Drop us a line. So, anyway, everyone... We look forward to uh, having a bit of a complaints department next week. Hopefully, the enticing option of calling has uh, upped the ante here. And uh, we will uh, see you next week, everyone. And before that time, enjoy your week. (laughs) 